0: Pricing information, 800
1: 915 that's eight hundred nine one five ninety six fifty four.
2: Click Tittle!
3: All right, thank you for that, and welcome to a hump Day edition of Titillating Sports with Rick Tittle. I'm Rick Tittle. How you doing? How you doing? I'm walking here. The other day I was in a supermarket. I had this shirt that said New York, and this lady's like, where's your accent? I said, what? She goes, where's your accent? And I went, oh. I said, uh, yeah, I'm walking here. She's like, there you go. My husband's from Brooklyn, and my I'm from Queens. And I said, well, you're a dirty rat. No, I didn't say that. All right. Uh, let me know when we start. Oh, we started. 1-800-878-PLAY is the number to call and get in and get heard, wherever you might happen to be listening in this great land of ours, the United States of America. Why would you ever leave and go on vacation when everything you wanted is right here? Speak some foreign language. Speak English like Jesus did. 1-800-87A-PLAY. The guy I've known a long time covering the A's. Used to do his podcast, Athletics After Dark, one of the original podcasts. Jeez, like when they first started. And he's written a couple books. He has a new one about the A's AA affiliate in Huntsville, Alabama. Talk to him coming up after a quick break. Also, Kelvin Beachum, offensive tackle, NFL We'll have director Thomas Morgan about his new documentary, Tomorrow's Hope. Comedian John Heffron, been in here many times in studio. He's at the punchline. He'll call us up. Mick Yardley will talk NBA. And then actress Lila Fitzgerald, who's in Bob Odenkirk's new show, Lucky Hank, over on AMC. She'll join us in the third hour. But I want to hear from you. Screw all those people. They suck. No, I'm just kidding. 1-800-878-PLAY. Like Kristen Wiig. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. 1-800-878-7529. Big shout-out to our troops listening on American Forces Radio Network. You're doing a great job. Stay safe. Come home soon. We're proud of you. Keep up the good work. Tune in app, iHeartRadio, up Stitcher app. There I am on Twitch.tv. Well, I'll start it in a second. And the
4: Twitter's at Rick Tittle. Come on back. Get ready, because Scott's is taking over Daylight Saving Time. It's such a big event that we're calling it Daylong Saving Time. And now it's got real savings. In fact, it's the biggest deals of the year. Audacious? Absolutely. So don't wait. Stock up early and you'll be able to save up to $20 on Scott's Triple Action and Easy Seed products today at the Home Depot and Lowe's. Offers available March 9th through 22nd at select U.S. stores, while supplies last. Selection varies by location. See store for exact offers.
0: Let's help you next. Take advantage of the opportunity to get started today. Call 1-800-356-7308. That's
5: 1-800-356-7308. Again, 1-800-356-7308.
3: All right. Thank you for that. Welcome back to the show. We're Tittle with you coast to coast and around the world on the American Forces Radio Network. It's our pleasure to uh, welcome back to the show. It's been a while, but it's a guy I've known only a long time as a, a broadcaster and a writer and a podcaster. It's Dale Tafoya. He has a brand new book called One Season in Rocket City, How the 1985 Huntsville Stars Brought Minor League Baseball Fever to Alabama. This is available from Nebraska Press as well. Dale, man, I remember Athletics After Dark, the pod. What what years were you doing that one, man?
7: It was Athletics After Dark. Uh, first of all, great to be on your show, Rick. Uh, I, I follow uh, Sports Byline USA socials, socials, and you guys have all these famous people. So I'm just uh, very honored that you fit me in the schedule. Um, but, yeah, it was called Athletics After Dark podcast, and then Athletics Talk Now. My first podcast, Rick, was August 10th.
8: 2010
7: Mm. and uh, there weren't a lot of podcasts back then it was just uh and i used skype it was skype and my brother is a very talented graphic designer so it looked kind of fancy and very professional uh so yeah it was it was uh 13 years ago and uh and i stopped podcasting it's just it's a lot of work and today when i see these podcasts i mean they have uh new studios now (laughs) And I just started mine over Skype, so uh, but, but it was a good time, and uh, I was ha- I was happy to have that experience and that body of work uh, podcasting.
3: Yeah, I remember when I was on your show, which I was many times. You guys would make like a banner and put my face in, and you guys put in all that extra work.
7: Yeah, yeah, it was uh, it, it, it was it was exciting, and uh, it was a nice chapter. Uh, and and uh, as an author, Rick, I, I like the economy of being an author. I get to do. Uh, projects at my own pace. If I get a book deal, a publisher will give me a year to finish the book. And what I do is I usually try to finish a chapter a month. Uh, so I just like the autonomy of being an author, interviewing people, and uh, seeing a product like the book we're going to talk about today, one season in, in Rocket City.
3: Well, now, you and I, as Long A's fans, we know about the Bash brothers, and those guys had to start somewhere. And the AA team that Huntsville stars, we kind of took it for granted that wow, they got a lot of great talent down there, but but they were brand new to the uh, to the area, weren't they?
7: Absolutely, their first year was uh, in uh, nineteen eighty-five, and uh, yeah, Huntsville was 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 always a space and rocketry city, and before that, it was a a, a cow and cattle town. Uh, Werner von Braun came and uh, designed the Saturn V rocket, that shot shot man. Uh, shot man to the moon, um, but in the city, they had some entertainment uh, in Huntsville. They had the Redstone Arsenal. They had some civic centers. They had a, now, a, a nice downtown area, but Huntsville really, they lacked a, an outlet to bring the community together, and that's where the mayor, Joe W. Davis, uh, the five-term mayor uh, who, who passed away, he really fought hard to bring this Huntsville uh, team in in nineteen uh, in nineteen late nineteen eighty four and into into the nineteen eighty five season and they won their first um, they won uh, the Southern League championship in their first uh, year of existence so there was just a, a baseball revival and, uh, and awakening that they, that took place and and fifteen uh, of those prospects that played on the Huntsville top stars at some point in that 1985 season, eventually reached the major leagues. Very star-studded roster.
3: That's incredible to think that more than half of that team got to the bigs. Let's talk about some of the men at the top when this all got together. Let's talk about a mogul by the name of Larry Smithu, and of course a guy we know, Conway Twitty.
7: Right, right. Well, the impetus of the 1985 Huntsville Stars, Rick, is essentially driven by two narratives. The post Billy Ball, Philly Martin era of the A's, and a minor league baseball mogul that you mentioned, uh, Larry Schmitto and his vision for Nashville, Tennessee. The story really began in the heart of Larry Schmitto, and he's still alive and doing some great things in, in Nashville. Schmitto was this—he was this Nashville-born baseball savant who championed baseball in Nashville since he was a kid. He, he was a baseball prodigy he resurrected uh, Vanderbilt University's future baseball program in the late 60s and 70s. And he brought minor league baseball to Nashville in the late ni- 1970s when he formed uh, the Nashville Sounds, a Southern League A affiliate. And So he became one of minor league baseball's top executives. He was the Barnum and Bailey of minor league baseball. He, he had a golden touch. But his ultimate vision, as successful as the Nashville Sounds were his ultimate vision was to bring a major league franchise to Nashville. And in July of 1984, he was inching closer to that dream when he purchased the AAA Evansville Triplets and elevated Nashville from Double A AA to AAA, which of course is a level right below major league baseball. But since Nashville was now hosting a AAA baseball club, he needed a home for that existing Double A franchise. And that's what put in motion Smittle delivering his double-A franchise to Huntsville, Alabama, which hadn't had a pro ball club in, in 55 years when the Classy Huntsville Springers folded.
3: Uh, it's funny, too, to hear about that it almost didn't get done over beer sales.
7: Right, right. Well, yeah, the major snag, uh, it wasn't entirely a, a smooth delivery, uh, bringing that, that franchise to to Huntsville, the major snag, Rick, uh, that, and drama that almost killed the deal, Smito insisted on selling beer in the new stadium that Huntsville was financing and building. And the city conservative city council immediately shot that idea down. And you have to remember, Huntsville was in the thick of the Bible Belt. Beer sales was one of the hardest things back then to get approved in that area. Back then in Huntsville, for example, if you wanted to purchase a bottle of wine in the store, the cashier took you in a curtained private back room and discreetly put the bottle in a bag. You had to keep the wine bag inside the store. Uh, there, There was a lot of conservative churches in the area that opposed alcohol. But Smitto insisted on beer sales in that new stadium in Huntsville, or he wouldn't bring the club to Huntsville. The consensus among minor league owners was that a minor league team could not survive without earning revenue from beer sales. But they finally reached a compromise in, in last-minute, dramatic fashion, uh, thanks to uh, Mayor Joe Davis, uh, Huntsville's mayor since 1968, and they they de- designated a special section for non-drinkers in the new stadium. And that essentially uh, opened the door for that double A franchise to come to Huntsville, beginning in the 1985 season. And the new stadium was named after Mayor Joe Davis, Joe W. Davis Stadium, who wanted that team badly in, in Huntsville to 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 unite the community. He he loved baseball.
3: Last question for you: We you know talking about the players on the roster and the guys that came over from the Henderson trade from the Yankees, like. Cataray, Plunk, Polonia, um, they were there, and you think it's Stan Javier. And, of course, Canseco was the big guy. Tim Belcher was a huge pitching prospect. Terry Steinbach you know, would go on to be an all-star game MVP. I mean, as you said, it was stacked.
7: Absolutely. Uh, of that Huntsville team, uh, as far as the A's are concerned, Jose Canseco, Terry Steinbach, Stan Javier, Eric Plunk, Greg Cataray. Luis Polonia, and Todd Burns, they all played a part in the A's championship resurgence uh, in the late 1980s. So, yeah, uh, that, and that was a, a roster. Even back then in 85, uh, baseball insiders were saying, watch out for the A's in two or three years because they saw how talented that A Huntsville Stars team was. So, uh, and, and as you mentioned, you had some, some, some uh, giants in age history
3: that were on that double-A that club. Uh, great reviews from Billy Bean, Tim Kirchin. It's got a forward by Sandy Alderson. It's called One Season in Rocket City, How the 1985 Huntsville Stars Brought Minor League Baseball to Alabama from Nebraska Press. It is available from our guest Dale Tafoya. Dale, good to talk to you again, man. Congratulations on the book. Seems really cool.
7: Thanks. Good. Uh, uh, all, all the best,
3: Fred. All right. I'm Rick Tittle. We'll take a quick break. Come on back with some open lines at 1 800 878 7529.
13: You must be crazy. Use a D-O-G. And if you was my man, I would have been kicked you out of my house by now. This is what had happened.
3: That's uh, That sounds very elaborate. Let's just put it that way. One more. Yeah, let's put it that way. 1-800-878-PLAY is the number to call in. one eight hundred eight seven eight seven five two nine. I thought it was interesting, by the way, that yesterday I was talking about how uh, the world baseball classic, Hats, and who has the good ones and who has the uh, the bad ones. And then today I'm <clears throat> looking online before I go on the air, and uh, CBS Sports has an article by uh, Dane Perry, which is exactly that. And so I was interested to see, and he said the best one is the Netherlands with the crown. That's what I said. I said the second best one was China with the dragon. He agrees. Uh, then he has Mexico. Mexico, that M, like, eh. to me it looks like a gas station hat. I guess because I'm from California, I've just seen that M a million times, so it, doesn't, it just seems kind of passe. How dare you, Rick? Uh, Israel with the Star of David. It is a cool-looking hat, even to you anti-Semites out there. And then uh, <laughs> Cuba. Uh, Cuba has a little star on it. So I'm not as when it comes to that. uh, But I do like, um, you know, the Czech Republic and a couple others and nobody else cares. But the WBC uh, did get out uh, underway and we've already had the catch of the tournament. (laughs) That's right. The, uh, The Netherlands beat Cuba four to two. And that's a little bit of a shocker. And then Panama, bump, 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 bump. 12 to 5 handling Chinese Taipei, Taiwan, or as my dad would say, Formosa. Very easily. <clears throat> Later today, uh, we are going at 10 p.m. Eastern time. These are all going on in Japan. But Korea will play Australia and the uh, the Netherlands will play Panama. So the uh, WBC opener was Netherlands-Cuba, and it was a thriller because the score was tied 1-1 to going into the sixth. And in the top of the first inning, Cuba had bases loaded, one out, and righty Yariel Hernandez went out there after they couldn't score. They blew it. But Yariel Hernandez is one of the best non-MLB pitchers in the WBC, and he just was mowing down kingdom of Netherlands players. Struck out six in four innings. But that's in the sixth is when the Netherlands took the lead. It was a single by Josh Palacios, who is a Pirates minor leaguer, so I'm sure John Baker knows him well. He runs the minor leagues there, our old friend. Chadwick Trump... Don't call him Donald, former giant. Now, with the Braves, hit a Texas leaguer, a blooper. It's in. Two out, two strike blooper, plated a couple. And then six Netherlands pitchers held Cuba to three hits. Starter Tom DeBlock, there's a Dutch name for you, or DeBloch. <laughs> formerly a Tigers minor leaguer, bent but did not break in three innings. Derek West of the Astros got five big outs in the middle innings and then set up man Franklin Van Gurp. Do you know what team Franklin Van Gurp is with? The Giants. That's right. Gurp. G-U-R-P. He came in to set up and the closer, Wendell Floranus, who plays in the Mexican League, slammed the door in the 8th and the ninth. And this guy, Franklin Van Gurp, was throwing some frisbee sliders. I don't know if you saw the video on this. But they would start in, like right hand here, they'd start at your knees, and it was two feet outside. I mean, filthy slider. Maybe we'll see him up here at San Francisco. Soon. So um, Luis Rivera had a tough game for the Cubans. He not only struck out three times. When he did get on with a single, he got picked off second. Ioannis Cespedes, who's not played in the big leagues for three years, went 0-2 for 2 with two walks. But you think about these good players, or at least established players, Jerickson Profar, Xander Bogarts, Didi Gregorius, Jonathan Scope, went 2-14. for 14. But the uh, best catch, as I said, is the first game was a thriller and Panama opening up a 12-2 lead against a Chinese Taipei team that was considered a sleeper because of their sneaky deep pitching staff. Ting Wu hit a two-run home run with one out in the six. Uh, But that was basically the only highlight for the Taiwanese. And they were two outs away from being mercy-ruled. But Panama's offense uh, is, well, they're big guys. Ruben Tejeda and Christian Bethencourt, who's with the A's. Sorry, he was with the A's. He's now with the Rays. They traded him. Uh, that team, Panama, had 14 hits and eight walks. It was that old commercial, bum-bum-bum-bum-bum-bum-chihuahua. Bum-bum-bum-bum-bum-bum-chihuahua. It was just a merry-go-round on the bases. A five-run fourth, a sixth-run sixth put the game to bed. And you had some former MLB pitchers on the bump, Umberto Mejia and Randall Delgado. They led the way for Panama. But despite all the offense said the highlight of the game is Luis Castillo's incredible catch at the wall in right center field and that's Luis Castillo the former Tigers minor leaguer not minor leaguer not one of the what one two or three Luis Castillo's that we already know but it was five nothing uh, Panama at the time and he ran into right center and he uh jumped caught the ball and he ran into the center fielder Ramos their rib cages slammed together it was a really ugly collision but he held on to it that's the thing that's crazy and what's funny is that the type the uh, Chinese Taipei player went all around the bases slid in got up clapped cuz he just looked out there and he was like well that dropped and, and no it didn't so you know i'm sure if this you know if Mike Trout bumps in <laughs> <laughs> if Mike <laughs> Trout bumps into somebody and breaks his ribs we might not ever have a WBC again but Xiong Che Cheng the leadoff hitter uh, as I said he went all the way around and clapped and the umpires had to get together and talk it out but when you have catch of the tournament it's done it is done is somebody calling in I think I said uh, at that point so the WBC, the way it works, there's a mercy roll, 15 run lead after five and a 10 run lead after seven and runs scored are a part of the tiebreaker. So even though Chinese Taipei got blown out, scratching across a few late runs to avoid getting mercy ruled could help them down the line. But it also means that you really got to go at it and pile it on. You know, it used to be that way back in the old days. In, like, college football, they would, like, say, well, well, we beat them 500 to nothing. Uh, Vince, I only have a minute minute left in this segment. I'll get to you uh, so you'll have time to talk in the next segment. If you want to hang, that would be great. But, um, as I said, you know, it's fun. And then you think about the fans. I remember getting a real taste. I I had been uh, into Europe to see some games. But I had never been to a World Cup until 1994 here. And I worked at the San Francisco venue, which was Stanford Stadium. And I was in the media center, but game days, I had tickets and I was a fan on game days. And Los Gatos was the home of uh, Brazil. Moraga was the home of Cameroon. They trained at St. Mary's by the way, but Los Gatos basically became Brazil. And it's already a very posh little town here on the peninsula. If you don't know the cats, yes, the cats. But they said it was a mile long caravan that drove from Brazil, just people. But they, you would just go there on a Brazil game, and all around you, it was just either or bung 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 bung, just nonstop partying, and it's just you can't help but smile unless you're a real curmudgeon or unless you have a migraine headache. It's like shut up. But uh, that's what I'm looking forward to too. Um, Especially, I'm supposed to go see USA Great Britain Saturday night. If we lose that one, I might just drive back. But Mexico versus USA Sunday night. I've been to enough Mexican. I've been to at least ten games where the Mexican El Tri, their national soccer team, has played. And this is in Arizona. Yeah, that's going to be a blood war in a good way. It's gonna be very, very and I wonder if it's even gonna be a home game for the USA. I rather doubt it. I think it's gonna be a Mexico home game. Alright, uh, Vince, I'll get to you in a second. Lines are available. one 800 878 play Come on back.
8: Geben. Diesem land habe ich treue geschworen, bin in der du mein schönes
14: Dazzling Decal on Daisy's Donuts window. Bold Banner at Barry's Barbershop. Prominent poster at Pennies on Park Place.
15: This is your sign. Well, signs. To try Staples and see the difference. Get $15 off signs, banners and posters when you spend 75 or more from
5: Staples. And I couldn't miss it.
15: ns 415. Visit staplesconnect.com/printbig for
5: details.
1: 800-754-4531.
16: Mr. Clean, Mr. Clean. I hate the struggle of tough, greasy messes on my stovetop. So I just freak, wipe, and I'm done.
15: When I'm frustrated with stubborn bathtub soap scum, I just freak, wipe, and I'm done. Mr. Clean Clean Freak delivers an innovative cleaning experience with a powerful, deep cleaning mist that starts working on contact to break down tough messes in seconds.
0: Just freak,
15: wipe, done. done.
13: about anything else when you've got Rick Tittle on the radio.
3: All right. What's up, Franklin Van Gerp? Come on back on the show. 1-800-878-PLAY. We got Vince and Lafayette. What's going on, Vince?
17: All right. I would just like to start with the Warriors. I think um, they're going to have to do it really soon. Andrea Aguaga, I pronounce his name Arvoli raw should get released. They need to put... Um, Lamb and Tyrone in uh, on a contract so they can play now and cuz Lamb's already out of box you know days Tyrone's like another game or two he's done so they're in the rotation they need to be put back in there what's your feelings on that
3: uh I, you know what i'm not really worried about depth at this point i mean when curry scores 40 last night and they still get beat like that it's just kind of disheartening but uh, i mean i'm not I see your concern, uh, but uh, I'm not too caught up in the depth just now, but I see your point.
17: Yeah, I mean, well, there's, they've been in the rotation. That's why I'm saying that. The second um, – and um, the defense, I'm hoping Peyton comes back soon that will make a huge difference. Um, I don't know. Is I mean, they said sometime in March, but, I mean, he, he could be out for the season, it's very uh, likely that kind of an injury keeps you out for a long time. So I wouldn't be shocked if he doesn't come back. Um, but that's, and
8: then the other thing I wanted to say about my favorite
17: Sharks. Uh, hey, hey Vince, far. can I ask you a favor?
3: Sure. Can you call me right back? we got a horrible connection with you. Let's try again, if you could. It's one 800 play because I want to let you talk, and it's just too, uh, it's not broadcast quality. It's it's just a little bit too scratchy. So, um, <clears throat> yeah, it was disappointing last night. I mean, Curry's back, and he scores 40 points, and the Warriors are a couple games over 500, and, and uh and then what happens they lose and well who they lose to they lost to OKC and it's like eh they recently lost to the Lakers again and i don't know it just uh it's a little disheartening i i don't think we're looking at a a repeat uh season right now vince we have you again are you there
17: yeah i hope it's clear
3: that's tonight. that's that's better yeah go ahead now
17: Okay, and I was going to say something about the Sharks. I mean, I hate the trade that we had to get rid of our one of our best players in our team, but they had no salary cap, and they couldn't bring up their rookies that they're bringing up now. But I, I just think that, like, getting rid of easemont I understand that Mickey Ismont they wind up getting a, by, you know, flipping around, you got a fourth-round pick, but is it really worth it to do that? I mean, I thought Ismont could have been a nice player on the team for long term because he's, like, Logan Gutierre talked about it. I mean, He made everybody work harder. I, I just think that was a mistake. I, I understand his philosophy of doing it. Uh, I mean, I hope they don't trade anybody else in the off season. I mean, they're really bad right now. I mean, they're really bad. I mean, it, it's getting to the point where you're going to have a hard time getting fans to show up next year if you're losing 6 nothing, or, you know, what, three of the last four games they got blown out and the one game that they pulled off a miracle win, which I watched as well um they were outshot over two to one so that was a lucky win (laughs) so what do you think that's going to happen with the sharks i mean it'll be four years outside the playoffs so we're probably looking at least two we could be looking a long time you see us getting you know we almost have the worst record which hopefully gets us the number one draft pick but what do you think the sharks for next year you think they are gonna be terrible again or or worse
3: uh, I don't think they'll be worse, um, but I do think they're going not going to make the playoffs next year. If they win the lottery, though, as you said, and they get Connor Bedard, who's going to be the next Connor McDavid, uh, they think, then all bets are off. But we've seen worse to first in sports. I'm not going to just go ahead and be Terry Donahue and say we're going to stink for a while. But it looks like it.
17: No, I mean, I even think they'd get that. Even if they even they get that number one draft pick, they still will stink for a while. They're going to get. Two number ones that you know this year and next year because all they have to do what he has to do is play fifty percent of the games in the playoffs, which is gonna be a slam dunk. I mean, so they I mean so they didn't get like totally burned out for Myers' trade. But like I said, they had to do that. They had no cap, and now they have um what's his name? Um God, I can't remember his name. He gets five and a half million, never plays because he's terrible. Um but he has one year left on his contract. Kevin LeBanc. Yeah, Lebank. And that's five and a half million. That'll come off in one more year. And then they have uh, uh, three million that will be increased, one million this year and three million next year. So they'll have plenty of cap space. They don't have to trade anybody anymore. Um, They got enough room to bring up the rookies. So I hope they don't unload. Like if you trade Carlson, it's because somebody overwhelms us in the trade, not because we have to trade him. That's a big difference. You know, we had to trade T.O but we don't have to trade uh, anybody else. So I would not trade unless somebody comes up to me and overwhelms me. You know, I want you know at least three number ones and a player. But well, I know some people and, uh, were
3: saying that the Sharks blew it by not trading Carlson, and I'm going to have to disagree. Unless, you know, if you were offered the moon, then they blew it. But they obviously didn't get that, and I, they have some hope holding on to him now.
17: Yeah, well, you also have to look at what was Carlson's trade. Edmonton was saying we had to pick up half his contract and take two crappy players back, and we'll give you a first round. I mean, what? That doesn't help us in anything in the cap. We were right back in the square one. Where we were going to be at the same cap space. I mean, that was stupid. That would have been dumb. But, I mean, we, now we've cleared up the cap space, for, you know, for next year. And, like I said, it's because we have all these dead contracts. I mean, I could think of a whole – it's not LeBanc. It's like Logan mature. Uh, we're paying for um, Burns still for uh, two more years. we we got Jones we're still paying for. You know, we have, what, that defenseman, I'm trying to think of his name, that he's paying $7 million for four more years. I mean, I can't believe it. That, well, Like I said, well, if we didn't have all these stupid contracts, we'd easily be able to keep you know, Meyer. But nobody wants the, the junk. you guys got to trade somebody that's good. You know, that's the problem. So, uh, hopefully, and like I said, they could write out those contracts now. They don't have to, uh, you know, trade draft picks or try to get rid of these guys. So I would uh, hang tight. Carlson's a really good player. Um, but if I was the trade Carlson, it, you'd have to overwhelm me. And I and I have no tension. If I was the GM of trading anybody else, except, like I said, LeBanc is so bad that we could pay half his contract. He only, only has a one-year contract left, and we'd have to give a draft pick. That's how bad LeBanc is. I mean, <laughs> he's worthless. I mean, so I would just eat the contract next year. I might even cut him next year and just get him off the team But and just eat the contract because I don't want to – do any buyouts because it's, it just prolongs it doubles the length of the contract, and, and I think that'd be bad news. But I think, I mean, you look at his draft picks; they did look pretty good. If he did, he got like the, his number one pick, which was twenty eighth overall. That guy led um, uh, Sweden in scoring, tenth um, overall in, in all the league scoring, and I thought that was, and it, it turned out to be. it Looks like it could be. And then the goalie we got from Sweden as well; he was a fifth round draft pick, and he looked really good, so I'm just saying. You look at his draft; that was his first draft. So it's hard to tell until they start coming up, but I, I think he's um, making good moves, you know, in that. And I, you got to give Gear a little time. And I even like the coach. I mean, I, I know it's horrible watching six nothing, but I really, I, I watch his comments. I see how he's handling the team. Um, I really think he's trying really hard to do it. I think he had to give him a couple years at least to see how he does at least next year. I mean, before you say, hey, this guy stinks. I, I don't think it's the coach, and I don't think it's Gear either. I think it was our previous GM who um, was trying to win the cup and, and overpaid all these players and put us in this bad situation. But I, I think in the long run we're going to be okay. I mean, how do you feel about the Sharks? Do you think, well, I mean, obviously I don't think we're going to make the playoffs next year. Even Gear says that, even if we get the number one overall pick. But I think if we get the number one pick, which I hope we do, and he and he drafts well with those other picks, it usually takes two three years. So if he does well, I mean, you have a? I mean, I know a lot of times you don't think he's doing well. Do you think you're as a type of GM that could um, put this thing in in contention in a few years and turn this around?
3: Well, it's exactly like you said. We we can't judge him. Mike Greer has never done this, and Mike Greer in, in inherited a situation where the GM did go for it. The Sharks made the playoffs every year. They got to a Stanley Cup Finals. Uh, They just didn't get it done, and so they're paying the price for it. And so all I have said is he's done nothing to impress me, but, I mean, it's kind of hard to impress me when you're painted into a corner. So I'm not judging Mike Greer just yet because, as you said, we'll have to wait a couple years, but right now I'm not also praising him either.
17: Yeah, well, yeah. I mean, I think he did as best he could with the trade. And I'm glad, I mean, if he didn't trade Burns, he, we couldn't have kept T.O. Meyer, which, and if he would have to trade T.O. Meyer at the end of the season, we would have got less, a lot less for him because, you know, he showed another good year. So that's what, I mean, I, if it was me, I would have done Hurdle. I mean, said that last year. I would have traded Hurdle to, to um, Calgary for, uh, we would have got a player, a really decent player. Calgary was off, as plus a number one draft pick. And then we would have kept T.O. Meyer. But unfortunately, the year wasn't here for that. And um and, and it's done is done. I mean, Hurdle's no trade lock for eight years, seven years after this year. But, I mean, I'm I, I mean going to keep Hurdle. I'm not going to cry over it. No, I, I love
3: Tomas Hurdle.
17: Yeah, I'm going to keep Logan Couture. Yes. I mean, you know, and, and I'm going to keep Carlson. Like I said, those three I'm going to keep unless somebody comes. To, I mean, all three of those guys have no trade clause, by the way. So, you know, I think if somebody, if they went to a contention, and they overwhelm them with a lot. Like when we got Carlson, remember how much we gave up? One of them was a second overall pick. Um, but if we got overwhelmed like that, I'd probably consider it. But I don't want to trade any of them. And Carlson, I think, is so valuable because if you watch him, he's on the power play. He brings the puck up really fast. He's really fast in getting back. And I wish we could have kept Burns. I really miss Burns. But um, those two together would have been awesome. But unfortunately, it's not there. But we got we have another defenseman. We got from the Anaheim Ducks that we snatched from. I don't know if you heard that he was he's in Harvard right now at senior year,
3: mm-hmm. and
17: you have to sign him by August as a free agent. But I heard that guy's pretty good. So yeah.
3: we, it's hard to get it's hard team. to get excited about a guy at Harvard right now. But yeah,
17: oh anyway, well, that's a good. Um, well, I mean, I know the coaches from there, and and that's why. Well, I just mean that any
3: college program right now, even if it's Michigan or BC, it just you know, as I say, it's just you know, it's it's three years down the road probably.
17: Yeah, but you don't know. I mean, this guy. Well, he's a senior. He's not a freshman, so I think he may be coming up pretty quick. He's a pretty big guy, you know. For I was he's like six four or something like that, six five. You know, I like a big defenseman like that
8: because mm-hmm. you can't
17: move him out of the way and. And we need guys like that that just can't move. And, you know, that's what I like about Burns. He was like a you know, Mack truck out there. And I, and I just hope that, you know, I mean, I'm, like I said, I'm not walking away from the Sharks. This is the hardest time since we started our franchise back in 90. I mean, you know, and, and 90 had to have patience. I was just so happy to have a hockey team then. Yeah. But I, I, I'm still going to stick with them. And the, the other thing I was going to say, and I'm almost ready to throw up, they're saying more and more about the A's leaving. And I was – I'm not into politics that much at all, and I just was saying to myself, one of the sticky points is that they want affordable housing and they want to stick it at the uh, at the Jack London Square while the A's want to build it where the Coliseum is. Why not just accept that the Coliseum It's better to have some affordable housing than none if they leave? I mean – I don't understand it. Can't they just? Accept they d- that they don't want know?
3: to be in East Oakland. Full stop is the problem. And yeah, they're they're gone right now. The owner and the president are in Vegas, and they're the toast of the town.
17: I know. Vince,
3: hey, it's thanks for the call, man. I got to run.
17: Yeah, I'm gonna go cry for this. <laughs> <years. But laughs> All a right. Good
3: day. You too. I'm Rick Tittle. Come on back on Sports Pilot.
13: right now
1: paid for by steel man pills 800 965 1295 800 965 1295 800 965 1295 that's 800 965
7: 1295 you're so ugly you could be a modern art masterpiece
13: sure Rick Tittle is the father of my child, but I'm 100% sure Rick Tittle is a jackass.
3: All right, the the WBC is underway, and the United States is going to be playing Great Britain in Phoenix at Chase Field, Diamondbacks Stadium there, Bank One Ballpark, remember? The Bob, right there downtown. I'm scheduled to be at that game. And the starter will be Waino. That's right, Adam Wainwright, 41 years old. A guy who went on Twitter to saying, I know what's wrong, it's my delivery. And he thought about retiring. He walked off the field with Pool Hulse and Yachty, and they left, and he came back. Well, he still had a three-seven-one last year. Anything under four is pretty good in the bigs. But uh, so far, two starts for the Cardinals in spring training, a 7 and the velocity is way down. And uh, so we'll see. He said that he does have an issue with his finger and his glute muscle. But he gets the nod over Lance Lynn, Miles Mikolas, Brady Singer, Merrill Kelly, Kyle Freeland. I, I'm not super impressed with our rotation. I'm impressed with Mookie Betts, Nolan Arenado, Paul Goldschmidt, Trey Turner, Mike Trout. That's who I'm impressed. Uh, thinking about but uh, the team Great Britain is the f- by far the weakest in Pool C which is also with Mexico Canada and Colombia so as I said if the Americans <laughs> lose to the British in baseball uh, let's just say that's not going to be good alright we have another two hours to go we got in the next hour Thomas Morgan and John Heffron, Hour 3, Mick Yardley Lila Fitzgerald and Calvin Beacham, come on back <laughs>
14: News, I'm Richard Johnson. Federal Reserve Chair Jerome Powell's back on Capitol Hill, this time for the House Financial Services Committee hearing. But Democrat Maxine Waters is warning about Congress's failure so far to raise the federal debt ceiling.
12: We're just months away from an economic catastrophe beyond what we have ever seen.
14: As for the Fed's role in that, Powell says there is no role.
5: That's it's really the only way for... For the debt limit to be raised, this Congress has, must act.
14: Powell repeated that the Fed could raise interest rates more aggressively if the numbers show inflation's not coming down. Speaking of those numbers, the Labor Department's latest job openings and labor turnover survey says job openings dropped in January but still far outpaced the number of available workers. On the origin of COVID-19, an expert on infectious diseases tells a house panel.
4: COVID-19 more likely was the result of an accidental lab leak than a result of a natural spillover event.
14: Former CDC director Robert Redfield's opinion runs counter to some U.S. intelligence agencies' conclusions that COVID was a natural occurrence in a live animal market in Wuhan, China. At that same hearing, another expert said China has done everything it can to stonewall investigations into the origin of COVID, including the spread of disinformation and destroying records. California now has at least one death directly related to the historic winter storms in the San Bernardino Mountains. People who live there are still digging out from snow as more snow is falling. And forecasters say the next system due onshore tomorrow will be warmer, and that means rain as high as 9,000 feet. The CEO of American Airlines is promising his pilots nearly the same deal that pilots at Delta Airlines are getting. A big raise, a four-year contract, profit sharing, and better scheduling. Delta pilots
18: ratified their new deal last week. This is USA News. Hi, this is Lou Manfredini. This House Smarts Home Improvement Minute is brought to you by my friends at Ace Hardware. Heating your home this winter is bound to dry out the air, leading to not only flaky skin and chapped lips, but also sore throats, bloody noses, and higher chances of catching a cold. Consider adding a whole home humidifier to help protect your family this winter. Whole home humidifiers add moisture to cover your entire home efficiently and effectively. For more information, go to housemartsradio.com. And now this.
14: The decision is no in Oklahoma to the question of legalizing recreational marijuana. Voters rejected the idea in yesterday's special election. The current and former governors led the opposition along with nearly every Republican lawmaker. Calling them burdensome and obsolete, Arkansas Governor Sarah Huckabee Sanders assigned a bill rolling back her state's child labor laws. One provision of the new law eliminates the requirement that businesses verify the age of kids younger than 16 before they take a job. Federal officials have promised to crack down on child labor after finding hundreds of violations in meatpacking plants around the USA. Two Americans who survived an attack by drug cartel members in Matamoros, Mexico last week are now at a hospital in Texas. Two others in that group were killed when they were attacked by drug cartel members. And if, like those shooting victims... You've thought about saving money on elective surgery by heading to Mexico. Doctors here say, just look at what happened.
16: This highlights the other variables that you can't control in Mexico, transportation to and from, and the possibility that someone else may be tracking you.
14: Plastic surgeon Dr. Thomas Geneby also says, consider the quality of the work you'll be getting and what happens next.
16: You take your life into your hands, your surgical results, your post-operative care. So stay in the United States.
14: Genevieve's advice? Pay the extra to stay here. And above all, don't be cheap with your health. I'm Richard Johnson, USA News.
1: That's 800-943-2153.
2: Rick Tittle knows his sports. I hate that guy. I love that guy. Oh, my gosh, he's so fine. Rick Tittle brings home the bacon, fries it up in a pan, and then he eats it. Ricky T in the hizzle for shizzle, biznatch.
3: Thank you for that. Hour two underway. Got uh, Thomas Morgan coming up at 1025. 1040, comedian John Heffron, always funny. He's got that interesting squeaky voice out of Detroit, Michigan. You might remember last summer, one of the hot properties at the trade deadline was Frankie Montas, the starter for the A's, who had been a White Sock and a Dodger farmhand, and finally came up with the A's, opening day starter, 29 years old, why was he such a hot commodity? Because he had started 19 games. He had pitched over 104 innings. He had a 3-1-8. And he had a year of control. And so the Yankees picked him up. And uh, a trade that included a uh, highly tefted left-handed pitcher, Ken Waldachuk, out of St. Mary's College. And they thought that he would be the number two guy after Garrett Cole. And he stunk. Eight starts with a 6-3-8. Missed September with a shoulder injury. One relief appearance in the postseason. And now he needed shoulder surgery. And he's basically going to miss this entire year. And he said before the trade, he was already hurt. He told the New York Post, quote, I was like, uh, uh, I wasn't fully 100%. I was trying to pitch through it. Of course, I got traded to a new team. I wanted to show what I could do. Things didn't go the way I was expecting. Well, players should, of course, uh, inform teams about injuries. Teams have to inform teams about injuries as well. Gary Payton, the second. The Yankees did look at the medicals, and they know that he had had some early shoulder trouble, and they gambled, and they lost. So, as I said, he's on the shelf, and the earliest he could come back is probably late August, And Montez says he has no doubt he'll pitch for the Yankees this year. And we'll keep our eye on that. 1-800-878-PLAY. Tune in app. iHeartRadio app. Stitcher app. Twitch.tv. Hey, how's it going, eh? I turned Canadian, pointing at the camera. CRN Digital Plus 2. The Cable Radio Network Channel 2. 35 million homes. Girl. American Forces Radio Network. 177 countries. I'm Rick Tittle. Come on back.
15: Move your things the right way. Call Colonial Van Lines now for a free quote.
1: Call now to learn more about this special $250 long-distance move discount. 800-847-0225. 800-847-0225. 800-847-0225. That's 800-847-0225.
15: People who come to Cricket stay with Cricket, just like a customer, Michelle. As an entrepreneur, every day is different. My phone bill from Cricket, on the other hand, always stays the same. Without surprises, hidden fees, or annual contracts, I can work worry free. That's Michelle, everybody, doing business like a boss. Smile, you're on Cricket.
9: Real customer paid for testimonial. See cricketwireless.com for details.
3: Check me out. Come on in. Get heard. one 800 play At noon, uh, Tottenham are hosting the return leg, the Champions League against Milan, AC Milan, which is in Milano. But you wonder why the Milan is because English people started all these teams. That's why. But uh, a little bit uh, nervous about that. Rick, I don't know what you just said. Were you speaking English? I was. World baseball classic. <clears throat> it was pretty funny. Um, Dominic yesterday sent me this video of Team Japan having a talk, and then the trans, and Lars Notebar says to this translator, what do he say? And he goes, I didn't hear S. But he is the first ever player to suit up for the Japanese national team that wasn't born there. And it was a big moment for him. He said, we were wearing our home unis, so I thought we were home. I was getting ready to go out in defense, but they were like, oh, no, you're going out there to hit. I was like, oh, shoot. I got sped up a little bit, but it's probably good. I didn't have to think about it all day. And a few pitches later, it all worked out because in his first at bat, Notebar hit a single and celebrated with the Cardinals pepper grinder that started a team Japan tradition, because uh, now uh, Shoei Otani does it. Notebar said, quote, we wanted a little hit celebration, something to do. We didn't really know what to come with. And Shoei Otani said, whatever I go out there and do first, that's what we're going to roll with. So I went out there and I got a hit in the first inning. We got the pepper grinder out there and we stuck with it. And... Uh, Manager Hideki Kuriyami said, even those nurtured in different countries' baseball can connect on a person-to-person level. They can be companions. I think one of the strengths of sports, the ability to go beyond nationality, I told him this is a big first step for Japanese baseball. I'm sure there are some old-school people in Japan are like, you know, what's the white guy? What's the American doing there? I mean, there's always people like that. Um, but this is his, uh, from his mother. His mother is from uh, Saitama. And as a kid, uh, he became enamored with Team Japan when he was a boy. And his uh, family played host to a lot of players that were traveling uh, high school all star team players, which actually featured Masahiro Tanaka at one point, the future Yankee, right? And Note Bar at 9 years old was welcomed in with all these guys and he would go out and stretch and be a bat boy and stuff. He said they, they they were my role models. They were like pros even though they were just high schoolers. My family accepted them as kids and for me it was like having a brother for a couple weeks. It's nice that it's the opposite now. When team Japan's roster was announced, some of those players even called his family to offer congratulations. He said they were just super excited. They were super pumped. They couldn't believe that the little bat boy from 10, 15 years ago is now playing and representing Team Japan. They were all super excited. And I've been walking with open arms. It's a really cool experience for me. I couldn't ask for anything better. And his uh, teammates have said the same thing. And he was born with the Japanese name of Tatsuji in honor of his grandfather and uh, the rest of his mother's family and his grandfather, they all still live in Japan. And uh, in Japan, the nickname for him is Tachan. And um, I think it's uh, it's really cool. All right, let's go to a Charlie, who's out there in New York City. What's going on, Charlie?
20: Hey, Rick, can we uh, talk a little uh, basketball, football first?
3: Let's do it. And
20: have a baseball. All right, quickly with the Warriors. Did you watch the game last night?
3: No, and I'm glad I didn't.
20: Yeah, no, I, I only watch highlights of it. I, 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 I only watch uh, the games that are on like TNT and, yeah. and, and the, I don't have the package or anything. Uh, there was a play where Draymond Green didn't get a pass from Poole, and he literally turned around and walked away. Walked like, uh, didn't, didn't get back on defense. Uh, this guy's a borderline Hall of Famer. Thirty, uh, you know, like what, what are you doing? There's, there's basically, in, my, in a nutshell, this team—they—they—they they, they are not playing as as Kerr once said with joy, and there seems to be a disconnect on this team. What, whatever they tried pulling with the two timelines obviously didn't work, and I think we're just seeing the beginning of the end with this with this group. And and you know, uh, Curry was awesome yesterday. But if uh, I would be really shocked that Draymond is back on this team next year, I know he has a player option to be opted in, but I I would imagine uh, Joe Lake of Joey Lightyears will not be happy with uh, them finishing around 500 and playing uh, potentially in tournament. You know, the in 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 play uh, play in whatever it's called the ends and uh so i i'd be uh, i think draymond's gone I, I wouldn't be surprised if Poole is traded you know i i, I would expect changes uh with, with this team but i think we're just seeing look last year i don't want to say they were lucky to win it but things fell in line they got hot at the end of the year they played denver you know uh, memphis was a tough series but dallas was a you know i remember even telling you then is if they don't sweep them one well, in five, you know, and then, you know, obviously the Celtics was a great one, but I, I just think they looked old yesterday. What I saw you know, when they play these younger athletic teams, they just look old and, and, you know, you have Iguodala who's as old as uh Jed Lowry out there. No reason why he should even be on this team. And uh, so I, 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 I just think we're seeing the beginning of the end and, and, you know, I'm, I'm not, no hard, you know, listen, they gave, gave us four titles and, eight, nine years, and, and you know, we'll, we'll see what they do. But that's just my take on the Warriors. Um, football, quick scenario, none of which will happen for the Raiders because of the Raiders. But if you had a choice between these three options, and then I have a baseball point, um, trade trade a few number one a couple of ones and a two or whatever the package would be to move up to one to uh, draft C.J. C. Stroud, or a, a one, a three, and a five for a... Uh, one Aaron Rodgers, or two ones and two hundred to three hundred million dollars for Lamar Jackson.
3: Oh, I would take Lamar Jackson in a second. I think that would be yes. so exciting. I mean, I just uh, that would be. I mean, he was an MVP, a Heisman winner for a reason. He's still young. I think he would just twenty six. Thrive yeah. in Vegas. I really do. That would that that yeah. that's the most exciting thing you just said. Uh, I'm not, as I said, I'm not giving you two ones for Rogers. Uh, I'm offering Green Bay seven overall, and that's it. Take it or leave it. Otherwise, I mean, I heard the rumors today. They're trying to sign Stidham, which means they're going to draft friggin' Well Levis. That's what's going to happen.
20: <laughs> or, or or Richardson. or, or Richardson.
3: Yeah, I would actually uh, rather yeah. have Rich. I'd rather have Richardson than Levis to tell you the truth.
20: Yeah, no, I think so. I well like I I I want what we discussed, draft defense, bring in a gap uh uh, uh bridge quarterback and dra- and draft hooker. Besides the fact that I think he's better better version of Richards, Richardson, how, you you the play on that name, uh, hooker in Vegas, hooker, yes, you know, is, is perfect. Is un- And quickly, the A's. The first year I rooted for the A's was, I think, in 81. They went 54 and 108, uh, over and under this year, losses.
3: 105.
20: (laughs) Oh, I'm saying 110. And finally, uh, why why aren't the uh, owners being held accountable uh, by the league for clearly trying to lose? Why isn't there any kind of...
3: because they you know, know Warriors, because they want that team in Vegas. They just, they, they, they really. I mean, waiving an expansion fee, the owners get so much money. That's who gets the money, are the owners, and that's how bad they want to go to Vegas.
20: So, so, so they'll be okay with Fisher just dismantling this team and, and literally putting out a double A. Yeah, Uh, team on the field to allow that.
3: It's a minor league team out there. It's an embarrassment, and they should be held accountable, but it's an old boys club, and they're not. Charlie, i got to run, man, but thanks for the call. All right, see you later, buddy. All right, there he is, Charlie in New York City. Coming up next, Director Thomas Morgan.
0: information 800-915-9654
1: 800-915-9654 800-915-9654 that's
0: 800-915-9654 do you have Medicare and do you use a CPAP machine We provide free in-home delivery. So if you're a CPAP user and you have Medicare, staying healthy with new CPAP equipment is easy. Just make this free phone call right now to get started.
1: Sponsored by Specialty Medical. 800-913-9739. 800-913-9739. 800-913-9739. That's 800-913-9739.
5: I'm not insightful enough to be a movie critic. Maybe I could be a food critic. These muffins taste bad.
3: Or an art critic. That painting is bad.
13: I'm so disgusted by Rick Tittle that I find him very intoxicating.
3: Thank you, and welcome back to the program. Rick Tittle with you, nationally syndicated out of San Francisco and also around the world on the American Forces Radio Network as well. It's our pleasure to welcome to the show filmmaker Thomas Morgan. He has a uh, new film coming out digitally on March 21st called Tomorrow's Hope. The Promise of Early Childhood Education. Thomas, welcome to the program. I know you directed this project. Uh, tell us a little bit more about how it all got off the ground.
21: Um, yeah, sure. Thanks for having me. I was uh, I was asked to direct it um, by a production company. They told me kind of the the background of the story, and, and I was just intrigued. I, most of the films that I had done to that point were overseas, and... Um, making films in Nepal and in Beirut and, you know, other faraway places. And so like to come back and do one in the U S that also felt like kind of the voice of the, uh, of a voiceless group. Like I felt like that was a really great opportunity. And, and, um, and so, you know, I kind of jumped at it and, uh, and I, I'm, I, I, love the story. I love the, the kids who I got to spend a lot of time with and, and um, I, I love the outcome, so it was, uh, it was a really great experience.
3: Tell us a little bit about the, uh, the plot, or I should say the topic.
21: Um, you know, so the topic is, you know, th- there's, there's th- these kids in Chicago in really diff- south side of Chicago, really difficult areas, uh, most of them living, you know, maybe just above or just below the, the poverty line, and parents who are just struggling to try to get their kids an opportunity in, in their lives, and so um, the this early childhood education piece that that kind of came to their neighborhoods, that started in literally started in Cabrini Green and in the projects to to bring opportunities for education instead of just putting these kids in daycare or wherever. Like how do we how do we help them get a head start? That's how it started. There's an amazing woman. Uh, named Jackie Robinson, which I'm a huge sports fan, and always thought I'd do a Jackie Robinson story. <laughs> Just didn't know it would be this Jackie Robinson um, that that really becomes like the surrogate mother to these kids and to their parents, like trying to help them understand like what what's possible. And what's interesting about Jackie, in my estimation, is that she she Saw the other side. You know, she had a son that went to prison, spent a lot of time in prison. She had, you know, her kids had a lot of difficulties, and they lived in Cabrini Green. So I think, you know, she went back to school. She got her education, and she saw this opportunity to do better and to help these kids kind of pull these kids out of those places that uh, were dangerous and to give them really and their families a, a new perspective.
3: You know, you got very close to the danger. You got a window into it did it ever get dangerous literally or perilous for you at all
21: yeah what's funny is you know i shot a film in in beirut inside a refugee camp surrounded by basically surrounded by a hezbollah neighborhood um and people ask me all the time you know how did that feel and i said it felt nothing compared to the nervousness i felt in the south side of chicago (laughs) you know like I mean, there were times we would have, we would have security with us. We called off several times because of gunfire. I watched, you know, one of the kids, uh, parents got in a, literally a fist fight in the street, you know, when we were shooting one day, like there was some, there were some crazy things that happened. And that's when you kind of realize like, this is like just another Tuesday for them. You know, this is like, this is their lives. Uh, one of the one of the um the, the the subjects of the film you know her brother was shot down uh not far from where they live and she she saw him laying on the street you know and you're like god this is like this is real like this is this is what you kind of i, I don't know i guess in my mind you hear these stories but you think these are kind of one off incidents but this is their lives this happens a lot so um i don't know i felt i felt like it was uh it was super interesting for me to see the way that they lived and the way that they had to kind of compartmentalize all of those things outside of their homes um, just to get through the day.
3: And also, I mean, look, every city has their problems with, with things like this. Like even here in San Francisco, I find it amazing that, you know on 5th street there's a nordstrom and you cross the street and you're in skid row i mean what 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 is chicago as a city who nationally you know we know all about this what are they doing what can they do about it as a city
21: you know i think i think it, <clears throat> it's you know i have i have so many strong opinions about this I, I feel like as a as a country we have decided that we have to create nonprofits and, and organizations to kind of cure the ills that really maybe the government should be responsible for, right? Like maybe maybe you shouldn't have to have a nonprofit go out and raise the money to keep a school going to give kids an opportunity, an a tr- a early childhood education so that they would be able to be uh, at the same level as kids who come from more affluent families, you know? And I think that we have for a long time just decided that as a society we'll rely on these nonprofits to fix these problems. And, um, that's what I feel like, you know, that's the unfortunate, the unfortunate piece of it. The fortunate piece is that there are some nonprofits who are doing amazing work and that are trying to help stabilize and get people back on their feet and help bring kids to, you know, a place where they can, they can be, you know, and, and achieve all of the things that they, that they hope and dream for. Um, the um, the really challenging part is there's a lot of kids who fall into that, you know, into that category, and and how do you do this when the you know when you've got limited resources and you've got limited locations? I think that that truly is the challenge. But you know, for these kids to follow them through their high school graduations when most of their parents never graduated high school to see them go on to college or onto you know a, a technical get a technical trade, like it's it's really it's inspiring and you, and you look at it and think, well, maybe that is what, you know, what's possible if the resources are available. Um, but, uh, it's, it's challenging. It's really challenging. And I think, you know, to, to their credit, you know, a lot of these parents totally bought into what, uh you know, Jackie was telling them and they bought into like I, I can use education to get my kids out of here. Um and I think that's that's a that's amazing and that that was really the the essence of the story.
3: And then finally I know the Salzance Charitable Foundation is involved. Uh what was their involvement?
21: They funded it. <laughs> so <laughs> um yeah, they have been a big proponent of early childhood education. They uh, they've been amazing in in uh, in trying to ensure that this program, um, that that uh, the early childhood education, these Chicago locations, that it continues, and how do they bring it to a wider audience? And they've also been very vocal um, in uh, in in government to to try to push for you know some government funding for the same opportunities for kids. So um, their focus is amazing. I think like it's so important that uh, that you have people in these positions that are single-minded in what they're trying to do and how they're going to achieve it. And, um, and they were really the ones who, who made the story possible.
3: There he is, director Thomas Morgan, the documentary Tomorrow's Hope, available on the 21st of this month on digital platforms. Thomas, a uh, fascinating story, and, and hopefully there'll be some a lot of good that comes out of it. Congratulations.
21: Thank you very much.
3: No doubt. And, um, yeah, it always shocks me. I think also, like, if you go to Palo Alto, where uh, Stanford is, <clears throat> and they have a town called East Palo Alto, or EPA, and there's one point on East Palo Alto where it's either... California or the Embarcadero. They have their own, there's <laughs> a California street Embarcadero here in the city as well. But anyway, it's either California street or Embarcadero in East Palo Alto where you have this uh, mansion. And then on either side, there are two more mansions and then you cross the street and it's like a liquor store and upside down grocery carts and people living in tents and people walking with a limp, you know, and it's like, it, it, it's literally across the street. I think that's also kind of true of the USC campus on Figueroa and downtown Los Angeles and Watts. It's just you know a very depressed neighborhood, and all of a sudden here's this beautiful college campus where every blade of grass is a perfect shade of green and everything is. Um, and it is where I, you know, it's funny. I've never heard anybody verbalize it that way before. About we just rely on nonprofits to fix everything. That's a really interesting way of putting it. Instead of the actual rolling up the sleeves and getting it done uh, as a society. We just expect really do-gooders at 501c3s. You guys do good. You fix it. All right, I'm Rick Tittle. We will come on back with comedian John Heffron right here on Sports (laughs) SportsBuy.com.
0: Searching for fun ways to spend your tax return? Boats for cats. Oh, flotation devices for cats. Don't waste it all on something silly. Spend smarter with Straight Talk. Get our Silver Unlimited plan for $45 a month with unlimited high-speed data and with nationwide 5G. Plus, get a Samsung A13 5G for only $99.99, down from $149. If you're looking to get the most out of your refund, your search ends here. Straight
9: Talk Wireless. No contract, no compromise. 5G-capable device required. Actual availability, coverage, and speed may vary. See latest and conditions at straighttalk.com.
1: Paid for by Legal Alert Line.
13: Tittle is a majestic stallion.
3: Some doubt in your voice there. Welcome back to the show. Rick Tittle with you coast to coast and around the world on the American Forces Radio Network. Always great to catch up with our friend John Heffron, the hilarious stand-up comedian, because he's here in town at the Punchline, No Stranger to the Proceedings. He's got a show uh, coming up uh, Thursday, Friday, a couple on on Friday, a couple on Saturday uh, as well. And uh, John, welcome back, man. And um, I, I just, uh, you know, catching up after the pandemic, did you do the Zoom shows? Did you go on roofs? Did you do drive-ins? What did you get up to?
22: Uh, the, yeah, so I did do some Zoom ones, but I fought it for a long time. Uh, and then, you know, when you, it, it's months before you see a check, you start going. So what is this Zoom thing all about? Um I actually did one where I stared at a blank like everybody had their cameras off um, so I stared at a computer uh, you know my computer screen I and I just you know did my act and then when I get in I'm hearing nothing back nothing uh, and then when I get done you hear you know a kid who you know logged me on or something he goes sir sir I go yeah he goes we lost connection right before you started, uh, uh, doing your, uh, stick. And I go, so did anybody hear me? And he goes, no, I go, well, why didn't you, why didn't you stop me? He's like, well, I didn't know if you wanted to practice or not.
8: So.
22: <laughs> and then I did another one where they had uh, comments, you know, you can see comments as you're talking and nobody, nobody needs to focus group every sentence. That they say, you know, and uh, I, you know, when I used to do morning radio in Detroit, they would always do that to us. They would take a segment or break and then they'd get, you know. 20 people that don't have jobs, feed them donuts, and then go, We please rate their break and then di- dictate if we renew their contract? So you would see every word you say or if you talked about something, you'd see this line go up or down, whether they liked it or not. So when I was doing the Zoom thing with the comments, uh, people were like, uh, Zoom bombing at its best, and then I would start to uh, – I would say a joke or make a reference, and then they'd go, he should have said – You know, this movie instead of that movie. I'm like, oh, my God. (laughs) But I did do bowling alleys, though, in Michigan. Uh, You know, there were some, like, speakeasy-type shows. And uh, me and another comic friend, we did a bunch of bowling alleys where we made a stage on the actual lane. And um, we we were getting, like, you 200, 300 people in. Uh, We did that kind of towards... We were doing COVID, so we were probably super spreaders.
3: (laughs) Well, I know that you do corporate (laughs) events as well, and I read that – or maybe we talked about it before, but you did the FBI. What was that like?
22: Um, Yeah, I do a lot of corporate events, which is – yeah, I, I do those more than um, you know clubs, kind of. Which uh, which doesn't suck, but I have to dress nicer when I do a corporate event. And I, I got to share this with you real quick. I'm like, so so I had to do the this super famous like internet guys birthday, and my manager said, well, hey, do you want to do this birthday party?" I go, "Absolutely not. I'm not doing a birthday party." And then a couple of weeks later, I go, well, how many people are, is going to be there? And he's like, 20? I'm like, absolutely not. And then he told me that the guy upped his price and told me what he would pay me to do this birthday party. And then I'm like, um, does he want me dressed as Spider-Man or
8: <laughs> Thor uh,
22: for the party? Uh, but but this is during COVID where I gained like 20 pounds probably. And you've seen me. I'm not like a big guy. I'm kind of just skinny. So 20 pounds goes Right to my gut, you know, so now I'm skinny legs, big gut guy, and, and nobody wants to be that guy. Um, so I bought these, I bought spanks. Listen, I'm not proud of it. I bought these Spanx, you know what they are, right?
3: Yes, they suck in your yeah. gut, right?
22: They suck in your gut it's like a wet suit or a rash guard, and I stuck it through you know my head through and then I put my arm through and then I put another, but it was so tight that I got stuck in this weird position where my wrists were like trapped at you know uh uh-huh. you know on my chest, and then I pulled it down, and every time I would let go it would it would come up like those blinds, you remember, they go and they would, like, roll around, so then it looked like I had a big gut and a halter top on, Uh, so then I just kind of walked around holding my gut, like, you know, pretending I was smoking, going, don't tell me how to raise a baby! Yeah, so. But the FBI one was weird, Um, you know, uh, they wanted a lot of info on me, and I just thought it was funny, because I'm like, well, you guys are the FBI, you're like the last people I should have to send a bio to. Seems like you could just find
3: it. Eh. You know? I remember talking but to was, Mark, but, to Mark Norman, and he did one, and the guys, you know, said, uh, "Go after John. He's he's secretly gay. Go after Phil. He's cheating on his wife. Go after Carol. She's a coke fiend." And then he did it, and he basically walked the room. I mean, is that scary doing stuff like that?
22: You know what's so funny? You just say that um, uh, last week for this executive at this company. Um, well, I was going to do. They wanted me to roast this guy, right? And I was probably on two conference calls about say this about him, say this. He you know, this this thing he did that and that and that. And then I'm trying to get to the building, and it was a weird night because Biden was across the street, so I got stopped hmm. before I could even make it to this building where I have to perform. And the, like the whoever it is, this guy's like, you can't go. I go, dude, I have to get in there because I have to. um you know, uh, perform for this corporate event. He's like, you can I go, dude, I go, we're in a weird place. I owe, I, I owe taxes and I can't pay my taxes. If I don't go in there and get that building, you work for the government. See, now we're in this crazy loophole. <laughs> what would you like me to do? So the guy actually let me go. He just laughed. He goes, well, just hurry up. So I, I get in there and then I make one joke about this guy that they literally told me to say, like, I, I'm like, okay, I'll, I'll open with that. And this dude looked so mad. He looked around. You saw his face here, red, and then I bailed. Like, I bailed on making fun of the guy, Mm -hmm. you know, because I I don't win in that situation, Mm -hmm. right? They tell you to make fun of people, uh, which nowadays you literally can't. Like, I don't even use the word wife or marriage. I'm so just broad-stroking at, you know, at a corporate event where I'm like, you know, the person you cohabitate with, whatever pronoun or whatever <laughs> title you give them, you know, like everything you say, you. Uh, I've even said partner before and I've had people come up, well, oh, I don't consider my relationship a partner and I'm like, oh my God. Uh... So. Now I'll have everybody before my show you fill out a survey. I need to know your love language. I need to know pronouns. I need your political affiliation, what 80s TV show you like, just to really make sure that everybody's in a safe place. And by the way, at Punchline, we do have a safe place room. In the back, we all have a service animal. In case anybody just hears a word they don't like, they can go pet the German Shepherd. I'm bringing.
3: Uh, John Heffron is with us. It's He's not that... true. You
22: know me. I don't <laughs> offend anybody. I am, the, I am the Matchbox 20
3: of comedy. Pretty good. Uh, how's the book? <laughs> I come to you from the future. How's that moving?
22: Um, that's been a while. You know, me and my wife actually—we start writing children's books that are crushing any dumb book I've ever done. Um, and yeah, we're really proud of them. They're, they're called "My Grandma Makes" on Amazon, and it's just—it's um, kind of like a little street joke, and it's just kids asking their grandma to make them food, and we have different foods. I literally Google top ten uh, foods, kids a request, and then I wrote 10 books on those foods because I'm all about the algorithms. <laughs> <laughs> By the way,
3: how is uh, how is Detroit these days? Because we know that they've, uh, you know, in the last 20 years, they've had a real renaissance downtown. How do you see your – because you know Motown better than anybody.
22: I know Motown, and I just moved here, you know, from Los Angeles to – um, Michigan, where I bought a farm. I think, wow, I that maybe, Great. last yeah. time. Yeah. So I'm, I'm, you know, 30 miles outside of Detroit. People go down there. Now I'm, I'm of the age now, though, being in my fifties, if they gave free cotton candy and a thousand dollars every time you went any place, that's more than five miles from my house. I'm, I'm probably not, I'm probably gonna pass. So unless it's literally <laughs> happening, like in my driveway, um, yeah, I'm done. I'm I'm not traveling. What
3: what anymore. town are you in now?
22: I'm like Ann Arbor, Michigan-ish. Yeah.
3: No, I want an address so on Eagle. national TV. Now, uh, <laughs> so uh, Wolverines, are you a are you a Wolverine or are you more sporty, sparty?
22: I I am. I graduated from Eastern Michigan
3: University, mm-hmm.
22: so we were Hurons. Yes. When I in my senior year, they switched from Hurons to Eagles. Um. So I was always kind of a Michigan fan, but my wife and everybody in my family all went
3: to Michigan mm-hmm. State.
22: So I'm slowly...
3: So you're a big Max Crosby changing. fan, and, too.
22: Yeah, and then Eastern's colors are the same as uh, Michigan State's, mm-hmm. so it's not a weird um, a, a weird change. So I'm, I'm slowly changing, believe it or not, even though I live right on U of M's campus. But when I'm performing in Ann Arbor in a couple months, I will be all for Michigan.
3: I'm just trying to think of uh because as I said, Max Crosby is now on a all pro uh defensive end. Who are some other Eastern Michigan guys I'm I'm forgetting about right now?
22: Um uh, bu- 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 uh, who's the, the quarterback that he actually was quarterback for the Lions for a second. Oh I forgot his name, dude.
3: Oh, that's all right. And I
22: I don't want I don't want to look at my phone because I want to be present <laughs> in this interview. I'm not gonna look it up.
3: Yeah. <laughs> well what era, seventies, eighties? 90s.
22: Uh he probably was 90s.
3: It wasn't Scott Mitchell, no.
22: Yeah, I'm. I'm not. I've. I am i am not i i do not have my reading glasses on, so I don't want you to uh, hear me
3: squinting uh, horribly. <laughs> By
22: the way, do you wear glasses or contacts?
3: I do. Oh, Charlie Batch. Yes. Yes. yes.
22: So, what era was that? How bad was that? It was 90s. Yeah.
3: yeah, Charlie Batch right. played um, for the Lions in 98, 99,
22: 2000, 2001. Yeah. Uh, qu- quick question about contacts. So I yeah. just got them this week. Right. Right? J- just this week. Uh, glasses, contacts. I made it was a good run. I'm in my early 50s, now. Uh, I was good eyesight until then.
8: Mm-hmm.
22: Um, so for my shows, I don't like to wear glasses, but... I kind of do because I have a little bit of this vertigo thing going on, so mm-hmm. I need to see. I need to see better. So, so far, I'm up to it takes me an hour and twenty minutes to put in uh, <laughs> a pair of. You'll contacts. you'll
3: you'll get used to. It. I've been wearing them for thirty years, and the dumb thing is, is I need readers when I'm wearing them, and I don't when I don't. But but you'll you'll be putting your your hands on your eyeballs, and it won't bug you very very soon.
22: Yeah, it's like you need glasses to see. Like, I I look at it, I'm like, is it a taco? Is it the wrong bowl? Is it a bowl without the ridges? And then I haven't figured out, like, one time it took me, like, two seconds. I'm like, oh, that's easy. And walking around, and I swear I saw better. I'm like, "These, these are great. And then I walked by to brush my teeth and saw both contacts just in the sink. So I'm like they didn't even make it into my eye. <laughs> so why did I it's like it's like a placebo contact or something like that. You know, it's like all <laughs> sugar. It, yeah, it's it, completely clear.
3: It's,
22: <laughs> and then sometimes I don't know if, the, if I if it's on backwards. And then the other day at my show I didn't know if I took it out or not and I'm touching it. I have like, you know, servers. I'm like, mm-hmm. can you stick your finger in my eye and just feel the number one thing I'll leave again.
3: you with here as we go to break. The number one thing I'll leave you with is, is don't rub your eyes cause you'll rip your contacts.
22: Okay,
3: good to know. All right, John. Hey,
22: are those speakers? I know you got to go. Are those speakers still in in the
3: studio? Yes, they're still here. Good memory.
22: Next time, I'm coming in early so I can actually physically come
3: in. Well, come on in, yeah. When you're in town, they're just sitting here. Come on in and make a deal. Let's make a deal. All
8: right.
22: John Hefron
3: is with us. Thanks a lot, buddy. Appreciate it. He is at the world-famous Punchline down here on Battery Street. Check him out uh, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. Come on back.
1: paid for by the detox and treatment helpline
0: are you saying
1: that i put an abnormal brain into a
4: seven and a half foot long fifty-four inch wide gorilla
1: is that what you're telling me
13: This is the only sports talk show that features a Rhodes Scholar. But he ain't here today. Now, back to Rick Tittle.
3: Thank you for that, and uh, welcome back to the program. By the way, uh, this is interesting. A group of fifth-grade girls in Hoover, Alabama, competed in a boys' league and won it. But they will not get a trophy because they're girls. Here's the other thing. They knew that going in but they wanted to make themselves better uh, by competing against the boys. So apparently the girls' teams that they were competing against were garbage. Remember, these are fifth graders. Uh, <laughs> and apparently the boys' teams weren't that much better either. But uh, you'll see the headline, Denied Trophy because they're girls. And be like, ah, sexism. I don't know. <clears throat> Is it sexism? I don't know. Maybe it is. Uh, got a pretty packed Hour 3, Mick Yardley, Lila Fitzgerald, and Kelvin Beecham. I'm Rick Tittle. We'll take a break and we'll do it on the other side. Come on back.
14: News, I'm Richard Johnson. Federal Reserve Chair Jerome Powell's back on Capitol Hill, this time for the House Financial Services Committee hearing. But Democrat Maxine Waters is warning about Congress's failure so far to raise the federal debt ceiling.
12: We're just months away from an economic catastrophe beyond what we have ever seen.
14: As for the Fed's role in that, Powell says there is no role.
5: That's it's really the only way for... For the debt limit to be raised, this Congress has, must act.
14: Powell repeated that the Fed could raise interest rates more aggressively if the numbers show inflation's not coming down. Speaking of those numbers, the Labor Department's latest job openings and labor turnover survey says job openings dropped in January but still far outpaced the number of available workers. On the origin of COVID-19, an expert on infectious diseases tells a house panel.
4: COVID-19 more likely was the result of an accidental lab leak than a result of a natural spillover event.
14: Former CDC director Robert Redfield's opinion runs counter to some U.S. intelligence agencies' conclusions that COVID was a natural occurrence in a live animal market in Wuhan, China. At that same hearing, another expert said China has done everything it can to stonewall investigations into the origin of COVID, including the spread of disinformation and destroying records. California now has at least one death directly related to the historic winter storms in the San Bernardino Mountains. People who live there are still digging out from snow as more snow is falling. And forecasters say the next system due onshore tomorrow will be warmer, and that means rain as high as 9,000 feet. The CEO of American Airlines is promising his pilots nearly the same deal that pilots at Delta Airlines are getting. A big raise, a four-year contract, profit sharing, and better scheduling. Delta pilots
18: ratified their new deal last week. This is USA News. Hi, this is Lou Manfredini. This House Smarts Home Improvement Minute is brought to you by my friends at Ace Hardware. Heating your home this winter is bound to dry out the air, leading to not only flaky skin and chapped lips, but also sore throats, bloody noses, and higher chances of catching a cold. Consider adding a whole home humidifier to help protect your family this winter. Whole home humidifiers add moisture to cover your entire home efficiently and effectively. For more information, go to housemartsradio.com. And now this.
14: The decision is no in Oklahoma to the question of legalizing recreational marijuana. Voters rejected the idea in yesterday's special election. The current and former governors led the opposition along with nearly every Republican lawmaker. Calling them burdensome and obsolete, Arkansas Governor Sarah Huckabee Sanders assigned a bill rolling back her state's child labor laws. One provision of the new law eliminates the requirement that businesses verify the age of kids younger than 16 before they take a job. Federal officials have promised to crack down on child labor after finding hundreds of violations in meatpacking plants around the USA. Two Americans who survived an attack by drug cartel members in Matamoros, Mexico last week are now at a hospital in Texas. Two others in that group were killed when they were attacked by drug cartel members. And if, like those shooting victims... You've thought about saving money on elective surgery by heading to Mexico. Doctors here say, just look at what happened.
16: This highlights the other variables that you can't control in Mexico, transportation to and from, and the possibility that someone else may be tracking you.
14: Plastic surgeon Dr. Thomas Geneby also says, consider the quality of the work you'll be getting and what happens next.
16: You take your life into your hands, your surgical results, your post-operative care. So stay in the United States.
14: Genevieve's advice? Pay the extra to stay here. And above all, don't be cheap with your health. I'm Richard Johnson, USA News.
1: So if you've lost a loved one due to COVID-19, call the legal helpline right now to find out if you qualify for a cash award. Here's our number. 800-918-4086. 800-918-4086. 918 4086 That's 800-918-4086. Paid for by the IPG Law Group.
7: Rick Tittle knows his sports.
2: I hate that guy. I love that guy. Oh my gosh, he's so fine. Rick Tittle brings home the bacon, fries it up in a pan, and then he eats it. Ricky T in the hizzle for shizzle, biznatch.
3: Welcome back to the show. I'm just going to throw this in for fun, and it's not fun. But I know someone that has an Audi and it's like one of the little hoses from the, you know, the windshield wiper thing is leaking and she took it in and it's like two grand. And then somebody else I know has a Mercedes and they took it into the dealer and they said, yeah, we need to service it. It's 3000 That That's the part that sucks about having a expensive German car as they gouge like that or if you want to change the headlight, you, you can't. We have to remove the engine to change the headlight, what? Like literally stuff like that. There used to be a guy in El Cerrito down in San Pablo, his name was Kuni, K-U-N-I. He was from Japan, he was this old guy, he was about five foot one. And When I was a kid, if anything was wrong with my, any of our cars, my dad would just take it down to Kuni and he would have like 10 cars just laying there and he would lay on his back and do everything himself. For like one-tenth the price. And so I will never take my car to a dealership. And plus, I had a friend that used to work (laughs) at Berkeley Toyota. And they have those like 25-point inspections when you get to 10,000 miles. He goes, you know what we do? We lift the hood and we check the oil. And we close the hood. I'm like, I knew it. And they're like, oh, uh, it says on my dash, servicing needed. It might as well just say "ripoff required" is what it should say, and that's why I'm going to start a publication called Consumer Reports, and I'm going to change my name to Ralph Nader. And uh, all right, one days And what was I doing there? I don't know. One Get in and get heard, coast to coast, border to border, around the world on the American Forces Radio Network, Army, Navy, Air Force, Marines, Coast Guard, National Guard, Space Force, Delta Force. We're talking about it. Football, basketball, baseball, hockey, soccer, golf, tennis, auto racing, boxing, Olympics, Quidditch, all about chess, checkers, rugby, cricket. Yeah, yeah, all that good stuff. By the way, tomorrow and Friday, Dominic Jimenez on the mic, and Monday and Tuesday, all the Dominic you ever wanted. That's right. Filling in, as he always admirably does, albeit the World Baseball Classic. Come on back. We've got another hour.
4: Progressive presents Adjusting to the Suburbs. I never thought I'd care about gardening until I bought a house in the suburbs.
22: But now I find myself in conversations about liquid fertilizer and I wonder, am I the fertilizer guy now? (laughs) No, no way. Everyone knows the ratio between phosphorus and nitrogen, right? Yeah, I'm still totally cool.
19: Anyway, when you save with Progressive by bundling your home and auto, that's the easy part of adjusting to the suburbs. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company coverage provided in service by affiliates and third-party insurers.
6: Coming up
3: next, Rick Tittle. Thank you for that. It's 12 after the third hour. This is the time we check in with one of our friends over at Pro ProWagering and ProWagering.com. It's Mick the Pick Yardley to talk NBA. And uh, Mick, I was watching uh, You know, my Warriors lose, uh, even though Steph Curry went for 40, and it's so packed in. I mean, Dallas had that nice victory last night. Kyrie and, and had more than Doncic, even. He looked fantastic. They have the same record. Minnesota is one more in the loss column, as are the Clippers. I mean, it's uh, if you wanted parity outside of Denver, you basically have it in the West right now.
23: Oh, yeah. And you know what? Hey, I was on the Warriors last night, Rick. So I had a minus four as one of my plays. I really thought they were, were going to beat the Thunder last night. So I, I was more like Mick the P- last night. <laughs> I don't know. Bad joke. But yeah.
3: <laughs> well, good. we're on regular radio. I don't know if the PR word is available. Oh, no, I
23: don't know. If it's acceptable. Oh, you uh, said it again. Oh, God, Rick, I'm sorry. <laughs> uh, yeah, Warriors. Like I said earlier in the year, first time I've been funny on your show, I think the nights you uh, say
3: knee, yeah,
23: <laughs> uh, yeah. The Warriors tough loss yesterday. Uh, God, yeah, you know that West is so like every game. This is playoff basketball right here in early March. I mean, every game so important. Uh, I really thought the Warriors. You know, they just fell apart there at the end. You know, like they had it, they caught it real close, and then they just fell off at the end. Disappointing. I guess you just got to move on to the next one.
3: Well, let me ask you this. The ninth and the tenth seed for the play-in in the West, you basically right now have five teams fighting for two spots. Houston and San Antonio are trying to get Win Banyama. So you have Utah, Portland, Oklahoma City, New Orleans, and the Lakers of those 5, which 2 do you think are the 9 and 10 seeds?
23: Uh, I mean, I got to say the way the Lakers showed me some last night against the Grizzlies. Yeah, without LeBron, and now I know that the Grizzlies are going through all those problems with Morant and all that, but I don't know. Uh Austin Reeves, man, he looked good last night. Uh Anthony Davis, uh I would say the Lakers are in and you know, I think the one one of the teams that'll be left out is Utah. I don't know. I'm just not too high on Utah. But uh, I don't know. I like I like this Blazers team too. You know, uh, their head coach Chauncey. He's a Detroiter. You know, he he knows the knit and grit. So I'm gonna say the Lakers Blazers get in.
3: Do you have, when you look in the standings and you see Brooklyn is like whatever the sixth seed right now. No Kyrie, no KD. We know he's in Phoenix. So you're looking at Dinwiddie and Bridges, Finney-Smith, Claxton. Do you basically just write off Brooklyn and say there are no hopers at this point? Or do you think they shock the world and win a series or two without their two stars?
23: Brooklyn is a really interesting team, yeah. Cause they got rid of all their you know, stars, Kyrie, KD, all that, them, but... You know, they're kind of a team, and they they get this talent in, like Bridges. I'm pretty high on Bridges. I like him. Uh, Cam Thomas, I know they didn't get him, but he was there. I think he was one of those guys they were trying to bring up as their starting point guard, probably knowing Kyrie was going to leave at some point. Uh, Cam Johnson, that kid could score the ball. They're kind of a team that just inherited, like, this playoff record, you know? It's like all these guys get traded to Brooklyn, and when that happened, they're just 10 games over 500. So I think they're going to be in the playoffs, you know, unless they have a total meltdown. But but this team needs to find a way to, like, gel together and all that, you know. So I think once they do, they, you know, they're not going to be bad because they got some good players on their team. So, and they're young, and, you know, it, it seems like – Coming over from that old Suns team, you know, like Johnson and Bridges, you know, especially Bridges, he plays tough D. So, yeah, yeah, I think they're, you're looking at probably like a 6 or 7 for Brooklyn. And then, you know, if they gel, they could beat some teams if they figure out all this stuff before the playoffs start.
3: Let's walk over the Brooklyn Bridge to Manhattan, the Knicks were hovering around 500 all year and now, well, they went like nine in a row before they lost. They're 11 over at this point. If you're Boston, Milwaukee, Philly, maybe even Cleveland at this point, do you see the Knicks getting bigger and bigger in your rearview mirror?
23: I do. The The Knicks are a good basketball team and the reason they're good is because they, they do it on both ends of the floor. Uh, I would be scared if I were Boston. Now I think a healthy Milwaukee team could squash the Knicks in a series, just because they play more of the same style. And I think Milwaukee just does it better. But you put New York in a series with Boston, say maybe in like the second round, like you know, say the Knicks are like a three seed and the Celtics are a two. I could see that scenario in the second or or even 1-4, it doesn't matter what, what the seed are if they play. But, yeah, I could see that being a seven-game series. Right now, to me, my favorite in the East is Milwaukee. I think Milwaukee in a seven-game series is probably the best team in the East. Regardless, the Middleton has to be healthy for that statement to be true. But, yeah, New York... They could beat anybody if they if they play good in the playoffs.
3: Let me ask you: This is a Pistons fan, and when they won their fifteenth game, they were fifteen and forty-two, and now they have lost nine games in a row. Yeah. In, in the division, they're a shocking zero and eleven. I mean, they have they are they have not won one game in the division all year. Does each one of those? like a kick in your stomach as a fan, or do you think, hey, man, whatever gets us closer to win Banyama, I'll take it?
23: Uh, at this point, the latter. You know, when you're that bad, you might as well. Now, I don't want to say dump games, but I'm sure that some of these teams I'm doing that, like the Spurs, Rockets, mm-hmm. you know, for a while the Hornets, but, you know, they're they're – Kind of out of those sweepstakes and the Pistons. Like really, this league is so balanced that any uh, every other team other than those four teams I just listed pretty much have a shot at the playoffs. So, yeah, I don't know. And, you know, the lottery thing. I, I don't get dumping games because they still got to pick the ball out of the thing, and you know, and it, it gives you a couple percent chance higher to land Wyamba if you are, are first, I guess, or last. But, yeah, I don't know. It's, it, it's it's still, as a fan, like, to just lose that bad of your team, it sucks.
3: <laughs> last question for but, you. We just have about a minute. Yeah, last question. Uh, Phoenix with KD, they were already yeah. really good without him. Now, do they fly up and take the number two seed from, like, Sacramento or Memphis, or do you think they're going to stay right around four?
23: Uh I could see them taking it from Sacramento but you know god the Kings keep winning it's like everybody's like when's this team going to lose and you give up one of those spots and they just don't do it Uh I think regardless Phoenix is going to be okay I I think Phoenix is really just looking to secure uh a top 6 so so they're not in play in and they, they can go straight through a series. No, they probably want like a 3-4 or 2. So, yeah, they're playing, but Phoenix can definitely do it. They they look good with Durant. Uh, Durant and Booker seem to have some chemistry. Uh, the other day against Dallas, you know, like you had Booker getting all up in Lucas' face and and then I saw I was watching the game. and, like later in the game, like Luca came up to Kevin Durant and they were whispering some stuff. So he seems to already have taken over the leadership role for Phoenix. Probably him and Chris Paul. And you know these are—he's a are guy who's won two rings before. So yeah, I think Phoenix, other than Denver, has got to be the favorite. Like I'm really hoping it's we see Phoenix and Denver in the West Finals. That'd be a good series.
3: There he is, Mick, the pick, Yardley, pro-wagering, pro-wagering.com. Thanks for coming on, man. We always appreciate it. Have a great uh, rest of your week. Thank
23: you, Rick. And I'm sorry about earlier. <laughs>
3: <laughs> That's all good, buddy. All right, I'm Rick Tittle. Come on back with actress Lila Fitzgerald.
15: Move your things the right way. Call Colonial Van Lines now for a free quote.
1: Call now to learn more about this special $250 long-distance move discount. 800-847-0225. 800-847-0225. 800-847-0225. That's 800-847-0225.
19: It doesn't really matter.
20: I, uh, I don't like my job, and uh, I don't think I'm going to go anymore.
13: Tittle thinks there's a direct correlation between dogs and lightning.
3: I think a lot of weird things. Welcome back to the show, Rick Tittle, with you nationally syndicated out of San Francisco, around the world on American Forces Radio Network. We have actress Lila Fitzgerald with us, and uh, she's known as Gulia in Monster High, Monster High Two, getting ready to uh, come out. She's also in AMC's Lucky Hank with uh, the great Bob Odenkirk. And uh, also, Lila, an author, you have a new young adult fantasy novel, Stars and uh, Swashbucklers, coming out. What, what's next? We know you can dance. Are you going to sing, too?
2: Well, hopefully I'm going to do it all. <laughs> you can see me doing a little bit of singing in Monster High.
3: <laughs> so the, the, uh, let's start with the book because I'm fascinated with that because a lot of people are like, yeah, someday I'll write a book. And you're like, yeah, my someday is right now.
2: I mean, I'm going to be honest, I wasn't even meaning to write a book, which is what I think makes it the funniest coincidence in my life. It started out as a really cool dream I had, and I just really wished I could live in that world and go back to the dream, so I started just writing it for myself, Um, (laughs) and by the time I finished writing the dream down, I consider it transcribing more so than writing, I realized I had a full novel on my (laughs) hands.
3: So tell us a little bit about the plot. What's going on here?
2: So it takes place in a futuristic fantasy world where Earth has shattered into islands floating between the stars, and people sail through the stars like we now sail across the ocean. It has a lot to do with privateers. I'm big into sailing. I actually started sailing to research for this book, and it focuses on Anya Marcox, who is a 16-year-old average girl who wants nothing more than to be special, and to be magical and make the islands a better place and she learns about a mysterious relic that could change the fate of the island and goes on a treasure hunt across the stars to find it.
3: Wow, that's pretty cool and the other thing is too, I would imagine you don't want this to be a baby book but also you don't want it to be like a Tom Clancy thing so how do you get it just right for that, uh, that demo?
2: Well It's been years in the making, (laughs) I think. (laughs) What helps me the most is that I am of the genre that I'm writing for. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm a teen myself, so writing for teens and writing for young adults is um, easier for me because I know what I want to read and what I want to see in the genre um, to make it a page-turner and accessible, but still have it be smart writing that's not um, talking down to teens because I feel like we have that a lot, and I... Spend most of my time reading so it was you know a little bit easier for me to find the perfect um, balance for my genre
3: very cool so um, Bob Odenkirk is a guy I got to meet one time I'm a huge massive fan of his and it's funny because I've been told like watch out because he can be a little hard and and he was fine with me uh, I was <laughs> I'm sure he was a sweetheart with you what's it like with Bob
2: It was so surreal. He was so sweet. I'm going to be honest. I made a little bit of a fool of myself because I was fully prepped to not be starstruck. I am a fan of him. Of course, he's such an incredible actor, but I was prepping myself. I was ready. I was like, I'm going to play it cool. I'm going to, you know, be nice and keep it professional. But when he walked in the green room, I was in the middle of knitting a gigantic sweater. And when I say gigantic, I mean I got the measurements wrong somehow. It was swallowing (laughs) me. Um, So I'm sitting in this cast chair with this huge blanket. Like, you know, it was supposed to be a sweater, but really it was more of a rug. On my lap, he walks in, and I'm like, oh, he's a huge dude. You know, he's not going to come over and introduce himself to me. That's totally cool. I'm just going to sit here. I'm not going to take his time. And, of course, he walks right over to, like, say hello and introduce himself. So I tried to stand up to shake his hand. But since I had the sweater on my lap, that didn't quite work out. So I ended up in a sort of half-standing, (laughs) half-sitting position,
8: cradling
2: this, like, sort of almost sweater while trying to shake Bob Odenkirk's hand. And I don't even remember what I said because my mind just went blank because all I could think was, oh, my God, that's Bob Odenkirk.
3: (laughs) Very funny. We're speaking with Lila Fitzgerald. The show is Lucky Hank on AMC that she's in. Um, Also, you know, I think about there are are so many – parents trying to get their kids to, to have the type of success that you've had and I know you've you've worked hard at it but how do you stay uh, balanced because as you know a lot of kids your age once they they get on tv or in movies they go off the rails
2: I think for me I can almost of my balance to my mom she's been a great family support for me and she has taken care of me an incredible amount to make sure that doesn't happen to me um so i owe all of that to her this business is uh, you know in my opinion it's not the best business to be in as a growing child because you know even just being in school as kids you have so much societal pressure and so many eyes on you and you know this need to perform for the world and that gets so ramped up when you're doing that on the scale of you know national international television um But I think the most important thing for me was having my mom, but in general for kids within themselves, to really get comfortable with the fact that, you know, there are mean people in the world who Mm -hmm. are going to be mean, Mm -hmm. and that does not reflect on them, and that is not their fault, and that, you know, it doesn't actually have to do with them or their talent. People are mean sometimes but you shouldn't let that change who you are as a person
3: very well said and i would imagine too i mean even i i'm over 50 and people will have a go at me on social media but for you i'm sure you have a lot of you know fans you have a lot of youngsters who are maybe profess their love for you i mean how do you make sure that no one gets too out of hand with all that
2: I mean, I try, you know, I try to engage with people on social media when I can, but I try to keep it light and fun. I don't answer DMs from anyone. I don't do anything privately that could um, go in a dangerous direction. So it's all, I make sure if I'm answering someone, it's always in my comment section. It's always open and out there where the world can see it.
3: Mm. Very well said. Now, I know uh, Stars and Swashbucklers, which uh, is coming out on April 4th, this is the first installment of the last Montmorency saga, did I say that right? What, so you this you already knew going in that you're going to have sequels, right?
2: Yes. So I planned it out to be a six book series, and then the first book was much too long and ended up turning into two books. So now it is a seven book series Ooh. with um, three planned spinoffs so far and I don't know how many prequel series. it's. I'm telling the story, basically, of how the Earth shattered, and how that came apart, and the history of this, um, the pseudo-history of this broken world that I've created in my mind. Um, so, I'm just, you know, telling the story in reverse of all of that.
3: And when they do the screenplay, you're going to cast yourself as Anya?
2: Oh, absolutely. you <laughs> know <laughs> <laughs> I mean, Obviously, um, you know, the goal is to have it be a TV show someday because I'm very big in that world. But if that ever happens, I would definitely want to be very much in charge of it because I've seen how book to movie sometimes goes.
3: Uh, last question for you. Uh, I, You know, you've worked with so many accomplished actors, but Hollywood royalty like Jeff Bridges. What was that like?
2: That was. I mean, for me, it's more insane and surreal looking back because at the time I was like an eight-year-old little kid who got to dress up in bed, eagle clothes and pretend there were witches and dragons all around. So, you know, for me, that was the cooler period as an eight-year-old. Now, looking back, I'm like, wow, I got to meet Jeff Bridges and he was so, so nice. Um, he, you know, I have a little autograph book that I bring to every production and I have brought it with me since I started when I was seven years old. So I have autographs from everyone I've gotten to work with in there. Um, and every so often when I'm, you know, bringing it to a new set, I like go and look back and see the people that I got the honor to work with at such a young age. I just feel so grateful that I've had the experience I've had.
3: And now she's the one giving autographs. It's Lila Fitzgerald, and uh, check her out. Uh, She'll uh, reprise her role as Gulia in Monster High 2. As we mentioned, Lucky Hank with the great Bob Odenkirk on AMC. And her debut young adult fantasy novel, Stars and Swashbucklers, will be hidden shelves wherever good books are sold on April 4th. Lila, congratulations. Thanks for coming on.
2: Thank you so much for having me.
3: No doubt. It was our pleasure. We'll take a quick break. We'll come on back with NFL lineman Kelvin Beecham.
4: Because Scott's is taking over Daylight Saving Time. It's such a big event that we're calling it Daylawn Saving Time. And now it's got real savings. In fact, it's the biggest deals of the year. Audacious? Absolutely. So don't wait. Stock up early and you'll be able to save up to $20 on Scott's Triple Action and Easy Seed products today at the Home Depot and Lowe's. Offers available March 9th through 22nd at select U.S. stores. While supplies last, selection varies by location. See store for exact offers.
1: That's 800-760-1845.
9: Destination Grill, Metro Des Moines' best new restaurant, invites all the NCAA basketball fans to experience their amazing, fine, casual dining. Destination Grill, just 14 minutes from downtown Des Moines. Destination Grill, title sponsor for all our coverage of NCAA tournament action from Des Moines here on Sports Byline. Destination Grill congratulates University of Iowa men and women's teams, Iowa State, Drake University, and Grandview University on its national wrestling title. Visit Destination Grill with an E dot com.
0: Everyone loves TV Dad.
9: On the next TV Dad presented by Progressive, TV
19: Dad meets the prom date. So you're here to take my daughter out, huh? Uh, yes,
4: yes, sir. Now, I'm only going to say this once. Drivers who switch and save with Progressive could save hundreds.
13: Ooh. Oh, I I thought you were going to say, take care of my little girl or something.
16: <laughs> She's a kickboxer. She could take care of herself.
19: <laughs> Listen to your TV dad. Drivers who switch and save with Progressive could save hundreds. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and affiliates. Potential savings will vary.
11: Hi, I'm Martha Stewart, and I have a question for you. You know that unwelcome guest everyone wishes would just leave already? That's COVID nineteen. That's why I got an updated booster designed to help protect against recent Omicron variants. Got it? Check eligibility and schedule your updated COVID booster at vaccines.gov. Sponsored by Pfizer and BioNTech. Uh, th- playoffs? Don't talk about it. playoffs. You kidding me?
22: Playoffs? I just hope we can win a game.
13: Tittle ate 200 chicken wings at your mama's house last night. Now, back to Fat Boy.
3: (laughs) All right, thank you for that. Welcome back to the show. Rick Tittle with you coast to coast and around the world on the American Forces Radio Network. It is our pleasure to welcome NFL veteran offensive tackle Kelvin Beecham. He is here because he is heading to Zambia with World Vision very soon to help build some water wells he has already donated two and he is looking for some support for the uh, the third one as well uh, kelvin welcome to the show you know some people they like to give back and they they write a check but but you really want to get there and get your hands dirty what what is it about you like going there and actually you know uh, getting the sweat off your back and helping people physically like that
24: you know i think at the end of the day anytime i put capital or invest capital anywhere i want to go see it you know, if I buy a house, I want to go see that house. I want to live in it. If I buy land, I want to go see it. Same way philanthropically. If I'm sitting my dollar somewhere, I want to go see it and, and make sure that it's doing what we, you know, allocated it uh, allocated it for. So excited to be able to go, um, you know, to Zambia, realize that access to water is something that, you know, many people in that country are struggling with. Um, like you mentioned, have donated two wells and excited to, to you know, go on support from fans. Uh, near and far to be able to uh, to fund that third one, uh, but more importantly, it's about access to water. You know, we take it for granted here in America, but uh, just being able to have access to water, just a basic human need, um, It's something that I'm excited to go and uh, go and impact and, and and be able to go do some sweating on, on on some different soil. So really excited about it.
3: Pretty amazing. You know, we just had the uh, combine uh, get finished a couple of days ago, and take me back to about ten years ago when you're coming out of SMU and you're at the Combine, and, and people think, well, maybe you'll get drafted, maybe you won't. You're a little undersized. So people weren't drooling over you. So how did you stand out?
24: That's a great question, Ron. Um, you know, the thing is you got to get your foot in the door, first and foremost, and you have to show yourself to be valuable. Um, and then once you've shown yourself to be valuable, how do you carve out uh, a niche for yourself? Um, and I think it was you know, it was about doing the extra work. It was about staying out for practice. It was about coming in early. You know, to to be in the building early, to be able to learn from other veterans who've done it at at a much higher clip than I did. And then I asked a lot of questions. I was curious. And I think being curious with coaches, being curious with other players, you find out what works, what doesn't work, how to do your job better, how to understand the system better. Why is the system structured like this? Why is the offense structured like this? How do you understand a defense? How do you uh, uh, understand the weaknesses of a defense? How do you attack a defense? And I think I really became a student of the game, and not only a student of the game, but the history behind the game, and I think that really helped me understand where I fit in, uh, and how to be able to carve out, you know, a, a little career for myself, and it's, it's been a fun journey ever since.
3: No, it really has. I mean, it's very impressive, because I would imagine, you know, normally, six 300, you're a big guy, but at tackle, they're like, they're probably saying no, he's more of an interior lineman, he'll just get swim moved or bum rushed from some edge rusher. How, how proud were you, it's like, you establish, establish yourself not just as an NFL player, but as a tackle.
24: Yeah, the thing is, I knew I was a, a tackle. I played enough tackle in college, you know, June Jones and Adrian Clem, who and Dennis Knight, who were my coaches there at SMU. Said that I can play enough tackle in the National Football League for a long time. <clears throat> I had the wingspan of a tackle. I didn't have the upper body torso of a tackle. You know, my my femur. It's actually longer than my spine. So from the lower body down, I look like a tackle. From the, from the, the lower body up, I don't, I don't look the same. So, um, you know, I had the qualities of playing tackle. I just didn't have all of the measurables to do so. But I knew that if I had an opportunity, I can go out and, and, and be able to play with the best of them. And it's been a, it's been a joy to block some of the best defensive players over the last, you know, uh, decade. Um, you know, in the National Football League, over the left tackle, protecting the blind side, and then also – as a white tackle uh, during the last couple of years.
3: You know, when people, um, you, you, you look at the seventh round and like Brock Purdy was Mr. Irrelevant and he's a playoff quarterback, where you kind of thinking, yeah, there's my seventh round brother right there.
24: <laughs> it's special, man. It's special to see, you know, those hidden gems be able to make such an impact I and mean, then make it such an impact, you know, in the playoffs when it matters the most, you know. Um, It it was hard to see him get hurt and not not finish what he started. But, you know, I I was happy. I was smiling ear to ear, realizing that there was another seven-round pick. Uh, Because I was five picks away from Mr. Irrelevant. So that could have been me, man. Uh, But it was was great to see him take on that role and and, and be able to to galvanize the team uh, to be able to take him on that national run. Uh,
3: By the way, we're speaking with Kelvin Beecham uh, on behalf of World Vision, uh, I'm uh from Oakland. I grew up a Raider fan and I was lucky enough to work on their radio broadcast. Your your professional debut, the Steelers, the old enemy in the AFC with the Oakland Raiders. You make your debut against the Raiders. What was that like?
24: Yeah, it was special, man. It was special. I had yeah, I had some dogs back then. You had Richard Seymour, you had um Justin Peck, you and had Tommy uh, Kelly. I mean, Kelly, you had uh, Houston, Uh, uh, Lamar Houston, not Justin Houston, Lamar Houston. Mm -hmm. Um, Y'all had a a squad, man. I think Terrell Pryor was the quarterback, if I'm not mistaken. Oh, Lord. Um, Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) But, man, it it was a squad, man. Getting the opportunity to be able to start out there in the black hole was, was special.
3: And then tell me what uh, the thought process was. The Steelers draft you, you end up playing for them, and at the end of your rookie uh, contract, they're trying to keep you around. Did they lowball you? Is that why you said, I'll, I'm going to try someplace else?
24: No, it wasn't, it wasn't that. I mean, I, I have a lot of love for the Steelers. I have a lot of love for that organization. You know, there was an offer that was on the table. I, I wanted to be able to come back to the table before I was 30. Uh, and that would have locked me in until my mid 30s and wanted something a little shorter. So it just, you know, we weren't able to, 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 it's a business at the end of the day. We just weren't able to, to, to be able to meet in the middle. Um, but I still had a ton of respect for him. In that same year, I blew my knee out as well. Yeah. Um, so, you know, in hindsight, people are like, well, Kevin, you made the, made the wrong mistake by not signing that, you know, that deal. But I think I grew as an individual. I grew as a man. My family grew. You know, we've had three kids in three different cities that we've played in. It's been a lot that's happened in a very, very positive way for me. But those experiences and those relationships, been relationships that I still have today, I can still call Mike Tomlin. I can still call Omar or Mr. Rooney or Kevin Colbert or, 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 or Brandon Hunt or Fish, anybody that's in that particular organization, Gary Giemont, John Norwig, I can call anybody in that organization and I have a very, very good relationship with them, but it just didn't work out. And it's still been a, a great relationship to have over the years.
3: When you got concussions, and I, I, I'm a D2 safety from the 80s, and uh, you know, every practice I had a headache, it seemed like. But I remember talking to Bill Romanowski, and he said, you know, I had like five documented concussions. He goes, I probably had 20 other ones. And I just think about in the trenches – and you mentioned some of those great defensive tackles and defensive ends and blitz and linebackers you had to pick up. I mean, how are you right now? Are you are you okay, or do you wonder about CTE, or are you all right?
24: I'm on top of the world, man. Uh, the thing is, is I think I, I try to do a really good job of keeping my mind sharp, continuing to push the boundaries of, of what I can think about. I mentioned curiosity, trying to continue to be curious and be a rookie all over again in many different industries to keep my mind as sharp as possible. Um, so I, I really don't allow that type of energy of, of the concept around CTE to, to, to take place kind of in my orbit. Um, but I understand what comes with the game. I've had documented concussions as well. I've been taken off the field in the stretcher, you know, twice in my career, my entire football career, once in high school and then again in, uh, when I was in Jacksonville. I get it. I understand it. And much like you said, being an offensive lineman, we we, we get hit in the head more than anybody on the football field. Um, but I understand that the ramifications and the consequences that come with playing is a great game. And, you know, I'm willing to, to, to deal with some of those things as I continue to pursue the dream uh, of playing in the National Football League for as long as I can, but also being able to uh, build um, a nest egg for my family. It's not many places in America where you get paid seven figures to, to, to work a couple times a year. I, I work 17 times a year. Uh, in essence, playing only really five minutes of football because it's only seven minutes, wow. seven seconds for for each play. So when you really put it in the context, I'm really only paying like ten to fifteen minutes a year. You um, know, there's a lot of other stuff that comes around it, but
3: <laughs> when you put it
24: in that of context, I get paid over seven figures to, to to play fifteen minutes a year.
3: You get paid a lot to stand around too in those four-hour practices. That's, it. That's what you get.
24: Paid. That's true. That's it. <laughs> You know, it's, it's like I mean, I got, you know, I, I understand what I signed up for, but it's not many places on the planet All right. you can you know have the type of adrenaline rush seventy, you know, eighty thousand people screaming at you on the road, and the type of adrenaline that you get from playing these game. So it, it, it's it's some pros and cons to it, but I understand both of those things coming into it.
3: So I gotta ask next year, who are you suiting up for? You got any leaning one way or the other?
24: We'll see, man. You know, that's what's great about free agency. You never know who these who will come out the come out the gate swinging. You know, everybody says they, they like, you know, I like you. We I love you. We'll see what your pocketbook says, you know. Um, so we, we'll see, we'll see how, how things play out. You know, one of the things that I'm optimizing for is, you know, I always wanted to play on grass. It's always good for you. I played on turf before, um, but if it was a preference, we'd love to play on grass. Um, and then, you know, I understand that, you know, I also have a family, so we have to figure out, you know, Uh, what that that particular dynamic would be like. But my wife has already said she's not moving anywhere else. So uh, I just got to find a way to to, to be in a hotel somewhere else and figure it out or stay here in Arizona. So um, we'll find out here over the next week or so. All
3: right. Before we let you go, I mentioned World Vision. You're getting ready to go to Africa to to, uh, build water wells in Zambia. How can people help out be a part of it?
24: Man, we have a a nice uh, matching campaign that's going on online right now. Just check out you know, any of my social media platforms, Twitter, Instagram, LinkedIn, um, Facebook. I'm talking about it. It's in, the, it's in the bio. You know, whatever you choose to do. And even if it's just praying for me as I go over there, uh, we'll be more than happy to have any type of support from the
3: fans. Twitter, Kelvin Beecham Jr. Instagram, Jr. Facebook, Kelvin Beecham Official, LinkedIn, KB2SMU. Hey, man, it's uh, amazing work that you're doing. You've been doing a lot of charity work over your career. Uh, Looking forward to your uh, new challenge as well. We've been speaking with Kelvin Beecham. Thanks a lot, man. We appreciate it.
24: Yes, sir. Anytime. Thanks for having
3: me. All right. Good stuff. I'm Rick Tittle. We'll come on back on Sports Byline. Who's watching? Tell me
8: who's watching? Who's watching me?
12: Call Rate Genius now.
1: 800-811-7913. 800-811-7913. 800-811-7913. That's (laughs) 800-811-7913. Not all applicants qualify
19: for a loan or rate savings. Actual offer terms, including APR, are determined at the time of your application based on creditworthiness, value of the
18: vehicle, loan term, and other factors.
2: Oh, I would love that. And then maybe afterwards, we can go field herping. That's (laughs) when you go out and you look (laughs) for reptiles. (laughs)
13: Rick Tittle once threw a tennis ball at a donkey.
3: All right. Uh, thank you for that. And uh, as I said, um, the next two days and then Monday through Wednesday, I'll either be in transit or down in uh, Phoenix. Monday and Tuesday, I'll chime in with a little report on the WBC with uh, Dominic, who will be on the air. And I'm scheduled to be back a week from today. Aaron Judge hit his first home run of the spring last night against the uh, Pirates down the Grapefruit League. And I just made me realize he's not on Team USA. It'd be a lot more exciting if he (laughs) Look, right now at Team USA, if you look at the lineup, 45 All-Star Game appearances combined, five league MVPs combined. And Mark DeRosa, the manager, for some reason, said, he says, I don't know how you get through our lineup. Well, don't get too overconfident. I will say that. But the World Cup of Baseball, we you know, they've been trying to grow this, but think about it. Seventeen years ago was the first one. Pete Alonso and Shoei Otani were eleven years old when the World Baseball Classic started. And this is what you have to do because if you only have two good countries, like in hockey, uh for the women, it was America and Canada and nobody else could compete with them at the Olympics. You know, for a while there <clears throat> it would be basically just Japan, USA, Venezuela, maybe the Dominican, you know, Puerto Rico is not a country, but they are when it comes to this. And so the game has been, you know, slowly but surely growing, and so not everybody is a complete pushover anymore. But I remember last time I saw Mike Trout watching and he was laughing and Mike Trout said, "He's on the team this now because of regrets." Yes, he said. You could just see how the WBC is different watching it on TV when they were out there making those plays and winning Adam Jones, robbing Manny Machado of a home run. That is what I have regretted because I should have been out there. And that's a very honest and yeah, you see everybody having fun wearing USA USA and you're like in the stands getting ready for your next whatever. <laughs> with the Angels, that's what it's all about for sure, E. All right, I'm Rick Tittle, and uh, thanks for tuning in, and Dominic will be here 9 a.m. tomorrow, Pacific time.